0: A crazy risk, a gamble, and it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnet points and rebounds.
1: What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of.
0: I disagree. I disagree, Gary.
2: What is that? I started it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked up. Howard, where's the money right now? Howard got hey, my Howard. money? Howard. Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. It means nothing. It meant nothing. Please, give me another shot.
0: You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black June, power, nigga. This is my fucking way.
1: You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family? I heard you resurfaced your fucking swimming pool. You know how
2: that makes me feel? Never resurface anything. I don't know who said that.
0: I told you about how things were gonna go. You like the way things are going now?
2: That's, That's my, my family. family! Get the kids out of the house! You having a good time?
0: Yes. This is me. This is how I win.
2: God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would the reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck like that one. Cheap dime store hood. Andy! Joe Cody!
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 239 Uncut Gems.
0: Another entry in the ever-growing in popularity anxiety
1: genre. Oh, yeah. I would almost say brought to you by the originators of the popular version of it. Yeah, that's true. It's been going for a while now. I'm not super familiar with the Safdie's work pre-Good Time. I'll just put that right on the table right now. I know you're probably not either. Yeah, same. But they've been doing this thing for a while now, and they've slowly perfected it over time. Yeah. And uncut gem seems like the culmination of it. Although I doubt that they're going to do something different. I forget what their next project is. I, I knew it at one point, but not worried about it right now. Yeah, let's kick it off with a reminder to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Let us know if you'd like a sticker or have a listener request or anything like that. We love to communicate with the listeners on twitter
0: absolutely or any other way
1: <laughs> yeah please rating and review yeah really on apple Podcasts. that's really our bread and butter that's what we love yeah <laughs> if you haven't done so yet trust me we will love it if it's five stars
0: <laughs> a lot of back and forth texting we spend a lot of time analyzing the reviews sure yeah trying to really take a look at what's going on there
1: it's been a long day for us, and it's only getting longer, because this is going to be a big one.
0: Yeah. It has been a long day. Weirdly, more times spent talking off mic than on.
1: Right. But that's usually the case. That's
0: true. <laughs> Although, uh, this is a heavy percentage.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot to catch up on. It's that's true. Yeah. A lot of r- recap from the last couple weeks. That's right. Yeah. A lot of different things. But yeah, I'm excited to do this one. We saw this movie together in the theater back in 2019 when it came out. Oh, yeah. And I, think, I hadn't watched it since. I
0: mean, we definitely both had this, certainly in our top five on the list yeah. that in year. I, don't, probably like, I think this was like two or three on my list.
1: Yeah, 2019 was actually a pretty cool year in movies, which is great because I don't think there'll ever be another one. That was one. the last one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it. The window closed, movies are dead. Unless, of course, we're talking about Marvel movies or... Anything owned by Disney
0: just seemingly will just never come to an end.
1: Right, but 2019 marked the first time in five years that Adam Sandler had a theatrical release because he only does movies for Netflix Netflix. primarily. Yeah, and we're talking about Uncut Gems, directed by Benny and Josh Safdie, written by the Safdies with Ronald Bronstein, executive producer Martin Scorsese. Oh, which you kind of forget. Until yeah. you revisit. You're like, oh, yeah. I did notice that in the
0: credits. It wasn't on my mind at all leading up to it.
1: The film had a budget of $19 million and a box office of $50 million, which, by the way, is one of the highest grossing A24 films, which is surprising considering the cult of A24, which I want to talk about for it's, a minute. It feels like they've had some bigger movies. But not really. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> not in terms of box office. They are pretty much across the board critically loved. Yeah. Especially big on things like Letterboxd and Film Twitter and that sort of universe. That's right. And I love a lot of A24 films. I actually went to Rite Aid earlier today wearing an A24 t-shirt. Oh, how about that? And I own a lot of A24 films on Blu-ray, but I can't help but feel like the cult of A24 is turning into the same thing as Marvel. It's just acceptance across the board from their fans they never criticize these films everything is great everything's a masterpiece i don't necessarily agree with that i think there are highs and lows i think there's variances i think uncut gems is awesome i I would say i'm always interested
0: in seeing the movies when we're seeing a trailer and that a24 logo comes up i'm definitely in
1: yeah, it's intriguing. Yeah, I do yeah. think they've had some misses. I don't want yeah. to run through the movie my movie. Why but not? The thing that I'm worries me a little bit is that I do think that certain A24 films feel molded to be similar to their whole aesthetic rather than just a, an artistic statement of the artist. Now, that's not across the board. Obviously, there's no film like The Lighthouse. Right, that they've done there are ones that stand out for sure and those are the best ones usually but let's say the green knight for example a film that i think you and i both were lukewarm on i didn't love it or hate it i thought it was visually kind of cool oh it looked amazing but that's sort of a24's style that's like their shtick whenever they don't have a great story like uncut Uh, gems is to fall back on the style be like just visually captivating yeah, and I do think that there's been some disappointment with that. But I think overall, despite the fact that I'm a little bit wary of the idea of the Cult of A24, overall, I like most of oh, them. Oh, yeah. I love the Ari Aster stuff. I love the Witch. I love the Lighthouse and Uncut Gems. and I think it's the cool. The
0: Lighthouse is just a wild experience. Yeah, which is
1: which is great. Ex yeah. Machina. You know, there's a oh, lot definitely. of great ones. yeah. yeah. Even whenever they team up with Anna Annapurna for Spring Breakers, there's a lot of good ones. But I just think that there's this idea across the board that it has an A24 logo at the beginning. It's cool. Sort of yeah. like how the Marvel fans are willing and eager to accept all of the Marvel movies. Well, I movies. might even
0: accept that it's cool. It just might not be great. <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah. So the Safdies first approached Sandler as early as 2012, trying to convince him to be in this movie. Doesn't
0: it seem like there's always this long story of getting Sandler to be in one of the... I don't know the full story behind Punch Drunk Love. Right. Well,
1: there's a huge difference. Paul Thomas Anderson made Boogie Nights and Magnolia, which were big movies. The Safdies had not done shit in 2012. That's true, yeah. The fact that they even got a pitch meeting seems insane. Yeah,
0: that's right. But it does seem like there is... There's just an aura to Sandler, and it's cool that he's this choice to play like, off-brand for him.
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of younger filmmakers, especially ones who are interested in comedy, love those dudes, especially some of the SNL stars and stuff like that, even if they don't seem like great actors That's on right. the surface yeah. or what have you. Sandler turned them down. They hold off. They write good time. They make good time with Robert Pattinson, who actually reached out to them based off of yeah. something they had done. He saw something online okay. and just was like, I want to work with you guys.
0: I wanted to talk about that a little bit just because some of the casting for Uncut Gems, and obviously it was like, we've got like Garnett playing himself. We have like Mike Francesa in it playing someone else. But some of the casting seems, I don't know the word to describe it, unique, I guess. But I was thinking about that for Pattinson at the time, it seemed like a little bit of a, like a weird choice now Pattinson has now gone on in these past five years or so to kind of well I think reinvent his career yeah that was sort
1: of like the reconnaissance like I think Pattinson was like I gotta break out of the Twilight thing so he was looking for interesting filmmakers to work with right so he was putting himself out there and they had to be convinced really they're like oh he seems like a cool guy yeah And like we like this idea so they came up with this thing and they wrote good time Based off of the power of Good Time, which, if you haven't seen it, is a great film. You should check it out. It's very much in the same genre For as Uncut sure. Gems. Oh, yeah. Except not quite as bleak, really, in a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess.
1: There isn't a family involved. That's true. And it's sort of a fucked up ending, uh, but not quite as bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's dark, but not as bad, that's I don't true. think. That's That's right. But it's the same idea, the, same I, genre. I will say this. The stakes are lower in good time. A little bit, yeah. It's it's more like stupid bullshit stuff. Yeah. But yeah. But based off of the power of that film and then Sandler's wife reading the script of Uncut Gems, she convinces him to do it. Whenever he was out on the project, they were considering Jonah Hill, who at one point was attached to oh, do wow. it. Okay.
0: You can kind of see him doing like the same voice from Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Here's the thing. The movie wouldn't be as good. Yeah, yeah. It's weird to say because Jonah Hill's been nominated for two Academy Awards for Moneyball and Wolf of Wall Street. Sandler's never been nominated, including for this, which he should have been. Yeah. The biggest problem, we'll start at the beginning. The biggest problem is Jonah Hill was born in 1983. Adam Sandler was born in 1966. A little bit. They were trying to figure out how to rewrite the character to be younger, and they were having problems with it. I think it's so much better that he's older. Yeah, yeah. It makes it grim it makes it believable that he would have kids that that age that many everything kids that's going
0: on with like his family and the mistress and everything it's yeah just like the, even his brother-in-law he's just like the right age to yeah get like even weirder because it's kind of like making his decisions less understandable right <laughs> like we're not as willing to be like oh that makes sense he's like a late 20 year old or whatever
1: yeah i just don't think it works i think Also that with Jonah Hill, and this again contradicts the whole thing with Jonah Hill having serious roles, although Wolf of Wall Street I think is still pretty comedic. I just don't know that you would take him seriously, which seems crazy because why would you take Sandler seriously? But part of that is the age. Yeah, yeah. Sandler comes in and he's not acting goofy and it seems intense. Now, I think Jonah Hill could pull it off, but I just think that Sandler's the better choice overall. Sandler's
0: unbelievable in this movie. He's so good. Yeah,
1: and I think it was just better to wait for him to come around. Obviously, you're not going to wait forever, but you waited it out, and you got the guy you wanted, and I think it just works better. Yeah. I think Jonah Hill, the age thing, is a problem. There is actually someone specific that I think could have done this part, and we'll talk about it later All right, when it comes up. But they probably would have been too old by this point, but like earlier in their career. But other than that, it's hard to imagine who the right person for this part would be. I I don't know. I don't really have someone other than Sandler. Beyond Sandler, yeah. I thought you were going to say Beyonce.
0: Oh, yeah, Beyonce. That would have been an interesting one. (laughs) That would flip (laughs) the script a little bit. There's just something magical about the dude. He has had this long career and kind of, like, does these dumb comedy movies. He obviously has, like, great classic comedy movies, too. But I don't know. When he comes out and, like, does these sort of off-brand roles, he's always so great
1: in them. Yeah, even when the movie's not particularly great, Yeah. like, spanglish which is like okay
0: right he's just got acting chops beyond just as like a comedic star
1: you have punch drunk love and the Meyerowitz stories with Noah Baumbach and Paul Thomas Anderson respectively and those are great performances great movies top-notch stuff but they're not huge movies and so a lot of people might have been unfamiliar with them I do think that and we'll talk about this in a minute but I do think a segment of the audience was caught off guard about what this movie was. Sure. And you can see that in the audience scores it's on a oddball. lot of the critic sites. Yeah. Where critics loved this movie, but audiences, it was not positive across the board. There was a lot of negative. And I think it's just because they didn't know what this was. Yeah. They think it's just like any other Adam Sandler thing. That's right. And even if you went into Punch Drunk like, Love and you're like...
0: A new version of The Waterboy.
1: If you went into Punch Drunk Love and you were like, okay, well this wasn't funny or this wasn't what I thought it was or you know whatever this wasn't some goofy thing, you weren't leaving the theater like, what the fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas with this movie, you were. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this was like. Yeah. I even think the screening we went to, I think there were not people like freaking out, but people were a little caught off guard. Yeah. By the ending of the film. I was freaking out
0: because like, I cannot stand uncomfortable situations.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh. It gets easier the more times you watch For it, sure. obviously. For sure. I didn't have
0: a rough time with it at all, this go-around.
1: But, yeah, the Safties are the masters of anxiety. This movie yeah. is off the charts. There's so many things that make you uncomfortable in this movie just beyond the plot.
0: Absolutely. The score is like almost this melodic synth music a lot that almost yeah. seems like relaxing even, but it's like shoved up against the loud noises of New York city and just like there's constantly chaos going on in the scenes.
1: Yeah. There's some overlapping dialogue, almost like Altman esque, but it's very uncomfortable for people like me because there's a lot of talking, but no listening. Oh, I know. So even if it's not anything dangerous or bad is happening, it's still uncomfortable right. to like listen to and watch. It
0: really is just our show. <laughs> yeah. You talking and me not listening. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, no one listening. No (laughs) listeners. That's the joke. (laughs) Kevin Garnett was cast as the NBA star only after The Weeknd was cast in the film as himself. The Safties look for NBA players who are active at the same time that The Weeknd was a public person performing shows in New York City in 2012, which is when the movie is supposed to take place based off of the playoff game. Garnett was cast for his performance in the 2012 NBA playoffs that matched the plot of the film, which was one great game, one subpar game, and another great game. That's sort of the yeah, order yeah. they needed to match it up. All in a relatively short period of time, which happened to be games five through seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals, and all in close proximity to New York City. The games were played in Philadelphia and Boston. Yeah. Also, Garnett supposedly an interest in being an actor. I think it was originally written for Amari Stoudemire. Yeah,
0: I I read that or it. Because the Safies are Knicks, Knicks fans.
1: Yeah, but there were a lot of people considered. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's funny as a as a Celtics fan, I can remember watching this series and it was like a weird return to a moment in sports history. And it's like a forgettable moment because it's not like it's not even like the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. It's just like one of the playoff series yeah from
1: that year. They needed an inactive player because they ended up filming during the fall.
0: Right, Garnett is ends up being a great choice. There's all this stuff about how he was great in the movie or whatever, but I, I just think he rolls into it and is able to go along with the rhythm of the movie. Yeah, he some of that has shit this larger than life presence.
1: <laughs> some of that shit is always overblown. Absolutely, people I agree always with that. act like everything's so great. Like remember when Booksmart came out and people were trying to. <laughs> Pretend that Billy Lord was going to get nominated for an Oscar. Right, right. right. Even though she's actually maybe the worst part of that movie. Yeah. And I like Billy Lord, but, I mean, I thought I "I found that so annoying. But people were like, oh, yeah, she's going to win an Oscar. It's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Garnett's great in this movie. It's like, at what? Right, right, what? Being himself and yelling a few times?
0: I do think he is great in the sense that he comes into the flow of the movie and stays with the rhythm and holds his own in the scenes as himself, Yeah. as the reality. I don't see him as being, like, the rock and is going to be in, like... Yeah, the no, there's no, like,
1: where, projection yeah, right, of charisma yeah. or personality. He's just sort of being himself, which is fine. Yeah, he oh, yeah. fits in, but, like, yeah, I mean, the carrying on about... Right, right, right. A, I, I agree with
0: that. Yeah, I do think one of the things the Safdies do well is sliding a realism into their movies. Adam Sandler is clearly playing this character who is almost, like, larger than life in a way, but it's surrounded by a lot of characters that are very grounded in reality, and you have these people that are just playing themselves, and then even the people that aren't playing themselves, like several of them have their same real first name. Yeah. They very much slide a level of reality into the movie.
1: Right. The word fuck is used (laughs) 560 times, making it 4.15 times per minute. It's one of the highest for... A regular narrative feature film, The Wolf of Wall Street uh, has more, but it's uh, way longer. Okay, okay, it's like an say, hour longer. Didn't beat Wolf of Wall Street, right? No, but I think per minute it did. Oh, gotcha. Because yeah. Wolf of Wall Street's like an hour longer. Yeah. This movie's pretty long at two hours and fifteen minutes, but Wolf of Wall Street's like over three <laughs> I cannot hours. Cannot believe how long Wolf of Wall Street is. <laughs> it's great too. Every second so watchable. <laughs> I could have watched ten hours. Yeah, of it. yeah. And ten hours of this, although I might have had a heart attack Which the is, first I, time.
0: I, I still always. Wolf of Wall Street, we went on Christmas night <laughs>
2: to
1: see it.
0: <laughs> I saw Django Unchained Christmas yeah.
1: night. Those are the best times Absolutely. to see those kind of movies.
0: But really like the Christmas spirit in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about critics versus audiences. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 91 on Metacritic, which is weird that they sync up like that. But a C-plus on CinemaScore, which is where they poll people coming out of the theaters... Again, that basically proves my point. I think if you know what you're getting into with this movie, you're going to rate it higher. I think people who are expecting something a lot different were like, "Oh my god, what yeah. is this?" Right. And it sometimes is easy to mock people who have that take, but I, there have been times where I didn't get what I expected out of a movie and my initial reaction yeah. was like kind of bad, and then once I readjusted, appreciated the film a lot more. Yeah. I would say like Adventureland. I was like, "This isn't that funny." Like I thought it was gonna oh, be like sure, super sure, bad, yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, the director of Super Bad, and they did the trailer with like all the funny bits, and you're thinking like, okay, and then it's like much more serious. Uh-huh. And I love Adventureland, but I I was caught off guard, right? And Under the Silver Lake, <laughs> which I definitely did not know what to make of it the first time, and then I started yeah. to like understand it more, and then you're like, okay, this is something completely different than what I was thinking, right? So yeah, I could see people thinking, okay, this is don't mess with the Zohan, and then huh. like, what the fuck did I just yeah. watch?
0: Well, the the Sandler character Howard, it's very divisive too because he's likable in a way, but he's doing a lot of unlikable things in pretty right right. Who out is of the he game. likable to? I don't. Well, there's like a sweetness there. I don't know what. <laughs> it is. Sweetness? You don't think so? No. Oh man, I totally think that he seems like he doesn't
1: seem to care about his kids that much.
0: Oh, okay, I. I Totally like want to root for this guy.
1: Well, there's a difference between being sweet and wanting to root for him. I don't think he's sweet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he seems so selfish that yeah, it's yeah. like oh, unbelievable.
0: He absolutely does a ton of horrible, indefensible things. And yeah. he is
1: like an addict. He's definitely absolutely. a gambling yeah. addict and he doesn't seem to be able to control himself at all. But he's so abrasive. Yeah, like that's true. dealing with the people <laughs> at the auction house, yeah, yeah. like how he treats everybody. He doesn't care when his employees quit. Right. That guy, he's like, I worked for you for 8 years oh, I know. and then he just like isn't yeah. even looking at him and then he's like, I'm <laughs> going to come.
2: Uh- <laughs> Holy shit, I'm going to come. And fuck you, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just so many insane Start scenes. walking it back. He's not sweet. Well, I don't you get know. Back, well, maybe
0: it's just the Sandler thing. Then I don't know. Like that's that's the type probably of probably. If
2: you
1: didn't know that was Adam Sandler, it was just some dude. There's no. But connection. that seems
0: by design,
1: right? Well, probably, maybe yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you don't want somebody so repugnant that yeah. you have to like look away. Right. You want there to be some <laughs> yeah magnetism there, and a star power can bring that. So let's jump into it. The movie's two hours and 15 minutes, so there's a lot to talk about. So
0: you have some notes, I would say.
1: Yeah, not an insane amount, Okay. But some notes, yeah. It's a fun ride. You can check it out on Netflix. I would recommend doing so, because as usual, I, I think people who have listened to the show before understand this, but maybe if you're new, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this. Oh, That's yeah, basically yeah. what Come we on. do. That's the show. Yeah, there's no dancing around the spoilers or anything like that. We're going to just go through it. I think this movie is a fun movie to experience as long as you know what you're getting into. It's anxiety. It's a thriller. Yeah. It's a hard R. And it's depressing and bleak. Yeah. And it's not a feel-good thing. No, no. And you're not going to laugh. There are funny parts, I, it, I but mean, it's, it's not it's like fun. a comedy. It
0: is funny because it's just... Right. It's not like Adam Sandler being in this comedic performance. It's funny because these people are like so insane and there's so much over-the-top things happening.
1: Yeah, those twin, well, not they're not oh, yeah. twins, but those two goofy-looking dudes that right. want to get money from No, Now, that's funny. Yeah, like yeah. Those,
2: <laughs> oh, this fucking guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that kills me. Yeah, some of the people in this movie, this was their first movie, and some of them haven't worked since. Some of them have worked minimally. Like Arno's goons. Yeah. Those dudes are just like random dudes. Wow.
0: One guy that talks a lot seems like an actor that's in things.
1: Yeah, but I don't think either okay, of the yeah. either of the two main ones were really in much, if anything. Julia Fox, this was her first movie; she hasn't done like a ton since. It's a weird combination of yeah. having one of the biggest movie stars of the last twenty years versus like these random people. Sure. Yeah. Some actors, some not. But Sandler's used to it. Sandler puts athletes, media right. personalities, yeah. like he's used to working with like Dan Patrick. Now he has to work with Mike Francis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He puts, like, those random people in his movies all the time, so I don't think that was weird for him. Sure. (laughs) In 2010, Ethiopian miners retrieve a rare black opal from the Walo mine in Ethiopia. Very unexpected start for those (laughs) of us who have seen the trailers leading up to the movie. I was like,
0: what is this, like that part in Jurassic Park where they go find the the fly in amber?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the fly, the mosquito. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah based on the trailers you're completely off guard they didn't film this in ethiopia but they did film it in south africa i guess i don't know if dude the safties went over and did this themselves i, or I was what. like
0: i don't know what this whole thing about the black opals i was like if they made this up for the movie i would have been like oh yeah this is just made up no I, they did I know it's not now but i had no idea what this was
1: Yeah, I was researching how much this stuff would really be worth and the different background information. It seems like black opals were mostly found in Australia forever. And then within like the last, I don't know, 50 years, they were like, oh, there's this other mine in Ethiopia that has them. So it's like the only other place in the world besides Australia that has black opals. Black opals... I don't know if they're the most valuable version of Opal or not. That was kind of hard to tell because there's a bunch of different kinds, apparently. I don't know shit about this stuff. I was just (laughs) sort of reading about it because I I was like, is this real? I don't even know. I know that the word Opal is real, but like this whole concept of what it is, how much it's worth, it does seem like, and not a surprise based on how Howard is, but Howard is mostly wrong. Right, That the other people are right. It's not worth Really, anywhere near what he was thinking it was worth. I'm not sure why he thinks this thing is worth this much if he's a professional dude. But
0: everything also is this game with him, too. So
1: I'm always like, is he just trying to inflate the value by. Well, he puts. Yeah, but I don't think he's bullshitting about the 17 months because the movie does start in 2010 and then it's 2012 later. I think he thought. I don't know. He just seemed to have got this wrong for some reason. I don't know why. It all depends, though. Every well, technically, opal is not really a mineral or a rock or a gem. Okay, it's this other kind of thing. But whatever, it's a gem, right? Technically, with any kind of gem that you pull out of the ground, it all varies because sometimes they could be the same size and weight, but one just looks better than the other one. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's all kinds of factors when you get into all the different shit. So, like, his thing could have been worth more than what it gets. Valued at later in the movie, but it just didn't work out that way. But nowhere near what he was saying, right? And the number—I
0: assume that you're supposed to take it that the value that it gets appraised at is basic is like the real value. Well, the biggest thing is like
1: uncut gems, which is the name of the movie. A lot of times don't carry the same weight unless it's like going to be a guarantee that you're going to be able to get a certain amount out of it because they're unstable. Because if you start chipping away to like make jewelry out of that. Even though it looks very big, some of it might crack and oh, not yeah. be right. Because right. you can't so tell you sometimes when it's in that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of risk. It's like, like storage risk. wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in you're, gem form.
0: You're bidding on the uh, the, the storage ship. Well, most of the time going, yeah.
1: this, in those auctions, I don't think all of them would be uncut like Yeah, that. yeah. But it, I guess it just depends. There's like this surreptitious little deal, though, because there's a miner that's hurt. And then there's, like, these other two guys, like, run into the mine. I got to tell you, the working conditions at this mine (laughs) don't seem great. Yeah, the overseers or the bosses are Chinese, which is actually factually accurate. The Chinese invested, like, heavily in mining in Africa. So that's pretty much on point. But these two dudes, like, run in. They pull out this opal. The camera then, like, goes into the opal. And that's how we start. And then we're actually literally transported to deep inside Adam Sandler's ass. Oh, yeah. As he's getting a colonoscopy. It's insane that this is how the movie starts. <laughs> I know. But it's fun because you're like, oh, they're throwing this other thing. There's so many yeah, right. red herrings. It is. I know we made a joke in one of the previous episodes about Final Destination, but. It is almost like that the entire movie where you're, like, not sure where the th- actual threat's going to come from. Right, right. There's all these little things happening. You're like, does he have colon cancer? Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll just throw that in. Right. And you're like, okay.
0: Yeah, I know. It's great that our first introduction to him,
1: he's, like, passed out. And that's, like, the only time he's calm in the whole movie. Yeah. But, yeah, you're kind of getting the parallels of the opal and then, like, the colon and then also the cave and the colon. Like, it's it is very... Right, right. So we've Howard Ratner played by Sandler. He's our our main character. He he carries the film. It is a tour de force performance. We're now transported to 2012. Yes. Howard is a gambling addict running a jewelry store in New York City's Diamond District called KMH. He's woefully in over his head, struggling to pay off various gambling debts oh, inc- yeah. including a big one, 100k. He owes to a guy named Arno a loan shark. This is all information that you yeah, sort yeah. of slowly gain over time. But the big thing of this movie is the frantic, balls-to-the-wall yeah. pace. He's constantly moving, constantly talking. Something's happening. Oh, he's doing something else. He's constantly wheeling and dealing. Yeah, got a- some as other thing as happening.
0: Soon as something comes into his possession, it's an asset to be either <laughs> parlayed. Pawn, or- sold. Yeah, he- to use for other gambling.
1: It's a movie about gambling addiction without marketing itself as right, that. Right, Because they don't beat you over the head. They oh, just show you what it is. It just reminds you of like the Artie Lang stuff because it just is like... Oh, dude. When he starts talking about lightning, Beth, yeah. that sounds exactly like well, Artie Lang. Into,
0: like, the idea of, <laughs> well, I had 60K riding on that game, but I only had 50K to my name at the time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like I,
1: 10K. Yeah, my or, name.
0: or whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is a perfect... Example of how to do a movie about something without beating the audience over the head because, yeah, it's no secret as to that the fact that he's a gambling addict, you see it with your own eyes, you understand it. But they didn't name the movie addict, right, right. they didn't have some come to Jesus moment where they're gonna go to like Gamblers Anonymous or some bullshit or call some hotline. No one ever calls him out on it really directly, oh, yeah. other than the fact that he owes the money, right? No one's like, You have a problem. There's no sob story about it. It's just like yeah. presenting it as it is, and it really takes the viewer on a ride. Right. This is what it's like when you're this deep into it and you cannot stop. Yeah, because it's fucking crazy oh, in this movie, and that's the whole anxiety thing yeah, where yeah. you're just like, "What the fuck right. is he doing? <laughs>
0: stop I, doing and it, this!" Right. And it does. It, it feels like that thing where it seems like there's an anvil or like whatever the 800 pound piano or something hanging over his head. At all times. That's what his life feels like. Now, watch this movie a couple of times now. I think I pick up more details each time because I think there's kind of little things thrown in, too, that you don't necessarily realize upon first viewing of things that he's doing. But I still, I don't know that this is clear to me, like, what he's in debt to Arno for. Like, do they come out and say what that is at any given point? I mean, I think
1: he just. He borrowed 100k to gamble that's with. What, okay that's what I I think, I've always ta- that's it. what I've always
0: taken it as too yeah
1: I don't yeah. think they get super specific but yeah I think that's a fair assumption yeah yeah Howard comes back from his doctor's appointment to find two heavies working for Arno waiting for him. They're basically collectors on the debt. They take 1200 in cash plus a watch. Howard can't get a hold of Arno. One of the fun things about this movie is the Arno reveals are all great as yeah. you learn more. Oh, yeah. It's slowly, Absolutely. like, peeling away, like, what the full thing is. And when you find it all out, you're just sort of, like, blown away. <laughs> I know. We meet Julia Fox as Julia, the pretty That's right. employee at KMH. She's got, like, a distinct look, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, too. <laughs> Very distinctive look. Right. Howard's domestic life is split between his wife Dina, played by Adina Menzel, who is the voice in Frozen right. doing yeah. the singing. Also, was the from, thing that I remember um, her Wicked. most for is John Travolta like butchering her name at the Oscars when he was like uh, wow. Adele Menzim or whatever oh, he said. No, <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, if I can find it, that'll be I like the ending but now clip. I do that. Yeah, no, yeah. Bring that up. So she's mostly known for singing and doing that kind of stuff but her in this movie is pretty fun
2: yeah
0: i think she's good at not just being the bitch wife like it could have been a much more flat she's good at that well yeah but there's like more to it you know
1: i'm not saying that it's not justified Yeah, yeah. oh absolutely
0: (laughs) yeah she's already been in this marriage way longer than she should have been
1: yeah well that's the thing though i do think that there were probably was a time where he was normal and then it escalates very quickly yeah Like, once it's got its grip on you, then all of a sudden it just keeps... It's, like, an exponential...
0: Oh, we see that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: it just starts flying out of control. Well,
0: I was, like, thinking on this viewing, the whole thing with the watch, which happens, I think, a couple times. Like, there's more than once where he has whatever watch he's wearing, like, taken. Yeah. Is it each time, like, one of Damani's watches? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: Which are fake.
0: Yeah, right. But he just keeps taking them, even though he's supposed to be holding them for Damani.
1: So, Howard's life is split... Domestic life is split between his wife, Dina, who has agreed to divorce after Passover, and his girlfriend, Julia, who works at KMH. One of the big things that's interesting to me is how genuine is the relationship with Julia? What's her deal? Does she actually love Howard, or is he just a meal ticket? Is it like Elizabeth Debicki and Widows? It seems a little bit more real than that. At the end of the movie, she does get his name tattooed on her big ass, which
0: is pretty serious. That's a lot of commitment. But now she does it in a moment of maybe panic. She, do- she,
1: yeah, she. Her meal ticket's moving on. It's
0: in reaction to her really pissing him
1: off. But what? She can't find another meal ticket I in would New think York City out there. <laughs> yeah, dude, look. Right. I'm looking. She doesn't always behave great <laughs> sure. for a girlfriend. No, but. I have a hard time writing her off completely as just, like, using him. Like, there's nothing real about it. No, I
0: totally think that there's feelings there. She's, like, visibly upset.
1: Yeah, um, when the incident happens with The weekend, she does quickly jump to his side and want to apologize. But then again, she did sort of...
0: (laughs) Start that situation. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: it was a little out of control in the bathroom. (laughs) She at least
0: put herself into a situation that I think most people in a relationship would determine inappropriate.
1: Yeah. Mike Francesa is Howard's bookie named Gary. Pretty we-
0: fun to see him pop up in yeah. this role. I would not expect him to be able to act at all. Yeah, he's, like,
1: pretty good. I mean,
0: yeah, I think he's good. When I was a kid, I loved Mike and the Mad Dog, and I just think it's so funny to see him pop up in acting, and he's, like, pretty decent. I would not have expected that. Yeah, I
1: mean, not huge scenes. No, no. Not a
0: lot of dialogue. But he but just he- has, like, such a distinct voice yeah and he almost sounds nerdy like on the radio and stuff so having him emote even like a little bit i give him credit i thought it was pretty good in, in a small role
1: howard's business associate damani played by lakeith stanfield just a really great actor lakeith stanfield more and more that i see him in i just think he's one of the greats out there right now he brings basketball star kevin garnett to kmh and this whole sequence there's a lot of chaos swirling around. Arno's goons are back, employees are quitting, Damani's trying to sell uh, one of his watches, the ones you referenced <laughs> a minute <laughs> yeah. ago in Howard's store which is not allowed. I kind of don't understand that. I mean, I know Damani's just trying to make money or whatever, but
0: it's like it seems like a lot of his reputation is there should be value to his reputation like he's trying to have credit with these guys and it's, if you're selling them fake watches, I mean it seems like it would be Yeah, good but reference.
1: I think they're supposed to be like good fakes. Okay. Like hard to, like yeah, yeah. really hard to tell. All right. I think it's a little bit of a window into how this shit works. Yeah. I think the market for these like very high dollar items is sometimes flooded with fakes and oh, a sure. lot of them are shitty but a lot of them are almost impossible to tell to yeah. most people. Right. That's just how it works. So, it's a way to like get a higher profit margin cuz they're not even like that cheap of fakes. I mean, they're cheaper than the real ones. Yeah, yeah. But They still cost, like, a decent amount because they're so close to the real deal Right, that you get a little bit extra on it. It is, like, fucked up, but I think that is pretty common. Yeah. That's why when you're that rich and you want certain things, I think you got to go, like, directly to Rolex. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot. Right. Or whatever the the brand is. Like, you can't go with, like, the middle people.
0: Howard does seem like a bit of a fraud, though. It doesn't seem... When you're dealing with him,
1: you're getting legitimate merchandise. Sometimes. I do think, like, the majority of it is real.
0: I I think so, too, but there's just a shadiness to him.
1: Yeah, because I think he's let it creep in. I think he's earned his reputation, and he has this store because he started... I I think it's the same thing with the family. Yeah. Like, it started out good, but now that the gambling addiction has got a hold of him this much, it's crept into everything. So he's cutting corners to get more money doing whatever he can. That's just a theory. You don't really learn that in the movie, but that's my guess.
0: It, it feels like that's a possibility.
1: But this is when it happens. During this chaos with Kevin Garnett in the store, Kevin Garnett looking at all this shit, that's when the big-ass black opal, which Howard has smuggled into the country from Africa, which took him 17 months to acquire, actually arrives. He digs out of these fish.
2: Holy shit, I'm gonna come.
1: Garnett... Instantly becomes obsessed with the Opal. He wants to hold it. He wants to hold on to it. He wants to take it with him for good luck at the game tonight against the 76ers. And Howard is like doing this great job at selling how great it is. Right. But then he's like, it's not for sale. and I'm not selling it to you. But he's like, they say you can see the whole universe in Opal. That's how old they are. They're talking about like dinosaurs staring at these things because they're millions of years old. Right. And they're really building up because it's not like, KG even knew what what this was. was. And then they're like, this is how great it is. And then he's like, all right, I want it. And they're like, well, no, you can't have it. Yeah. yeah. And that's like one of the best parts. He's like, why would you show me something I can't have? That's like right out of the trailer. That's great. And we should point out before we get too far into the plot, not a lot of clips, probably. There's not that many available in our usual way. So, you know, we're going to probably open this episode with the trailer. Sure. (laughs) And you won't get as many clips as usual. But there's a lot to talk about anyway, so we don't need that many clips. That's right. The Black Opal becomes this magic totem at the center of the story. The way that we're presenting it is that like, Kevin Garnett actually believes that it has some sort of power for him. Oh yeah, it's he's the vibing way it, with it. Yeah, it's the way that it plays out in the movie too. When he has it, he does better, and when he when he doesn't have it, he doesn't do as good. It's a bad game. <laughs> it's actually kind of cool, like how many people the safties like. He looks tortured got involved in this too and we'll get to it as we go but not just like kevin garnett there's like other people involved that contribute to like the reality of this universe they're creating from like 2012 so yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about the real value there's so many factors and it is based on potential when it's an uncut gem like that right you don't really know for sure most of the things I was reading online, which were specific about the one in this movie, as if it was real, and the stats that Howard gives are real, like the how many carrots and stuff, uh-huh. they were more closer in line with what the auction house eventually appraises it at. Okay. It has potential for more, but it's too hard to tell for sure. Right. But it is clear the first total that he gives Garnett is insane. Because that is actually like twelve million dollars oh, yeah, if yeah. you do that math right. later he starts saying a million dollars, yeah, which yeah. is not completely out of reason for like certain types of things, but probably nowhere close to where this would be, sure. some people disagree though there's a lot of opinions out there about it, but most people seem to fall more in line with that one seventy five to two twenty five right. range, which has to be disappointing since he put this much time into it, yeah. Considering he owes Arno a hundred k, like right, one hundred seventy five k, which to me would be great.
0: Not to mention he seems to just keep losing money on. Yeah, that just doesn't along. seem like enough yeah.
1: for this much of time. He put seventeen months into this. But anyway, Howard reluctantly agrees to allow KG to hold the opal for a while, accepting Garnett's two thousand and eight NBA championship ring as collateral. Damani is going to act as the go-between for Howard to get the Opal back. Sort of an insane thing to give up. I don't know. What, the championship ring? It just
0: seems nuts that this well, would happen.
1: Well, I don't know. I've never heard about this happening in yeah, real life. Yeah. But when you're of the stature of someone as Garnett, if you actually lost that ring and you're still on the team, yeah. I bet you could get another one. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. What, are they going to say no right, to him? Right, yeah. <laughs> 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 Especially when he's still on the team. That's right, Yeah. Now, yeah, it, it's something every, you would want to treasure because it's the one you got. Right, right. But if something happened, I think you can get another one. That's
0: probably Now, right. if you
1: wait a long time, like years later, then yeah. it might be hard. But right. he thinks that it's just collateral, though. He doesn't That's know right. how yeah. shady Howard is. I know. Although yeah, he is crazy. very trusting. Yeah. This is where the movie takes a turn to, oh, no, land. This is, land. Like
0: the first, like, shocking moment.
1: What the fuck, Land. You're like, oh no, what
0: the fuck is happening? Right. I feel like I just kind of saw you react this way now. And now thinking back to the theater, I think there was like moments that caused you to kind of like put your arms up and be like, what? Yeah. Like you cannot believe this is happening.
1: Yeah, because having watched Good Time, I was fully prepared for this mood. I was like, okay, here we go. Like it felt chaotic, but now we're taking it to that next level where you're thinking – This person is insane. (laughs) Yeah. I can't deal with as much anxiety. How does someone live like this? I know. As soon as KG leaves, Howard pawns the Celtics ring so that he can get some money to gamble with. That's it. (laughs) Right. That's his whole plan is just have cash to gamble with. Oh, like pit in my stomach. Yeah. He treats this as everyday occurrence. The goons, Phil and Nico, are surveilling Howard's every move and reporting back to Arno. Meanwhile, Howard is texting Arno pictures of cash, (laughs) which he later claims is buying time. Yeah. He's like, I just wanted you to calm down. Like, I have the money. Right. I'm not sure how they interpret it in the moment. It seems like Arno's, like, pissed that he's doing it. But I kind of think Arno's probably right. I do think he is taunting him a little bit. Uh, Yeah, I think so. He later tries to spin everything to be more favorable, Howard does. But it seems like he's just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't know, A, how serious this is going to get, and B, that Phil and Nico are already following him and yeah. watching his every move. It he doesn't really like realize he kind that. kind of
0: enjoys being a prick to Arno.
1: Yeah, it does speak to the possibility of a backstory that we can right. sort of talk about later, but I think you're supposed to contrast how he treats those dopey twin dudes, although yeah, yeah. they're not twins, but right. the weird looking guys, versus Arno and what he's used to pulling and... Why Arno's, like, so serious about this. Because he knows he's going to get fucked if he doesn't take it seriously. Howard goes back to Gary, his bookie, and places a six-way parlay on Garnett and the Celtics. I'm just going to simplify it. Garnett to play well, Celtics to win. He wants to incorporate a lightning bet, which is completely insane. For those of you who don't know, once you start hitting whatever it is, like, so let's say the bet is, like, Celtics to win. I don't really know how lightning bets like factor into the line, yeah. but let's just say... the I think he says the line is one, which means it's like almost a, a right, pick em. Right. So, okay, Celtics have to win by one already. So er, once they hit that, so once they're up by one, you get $1,000 for every point they win by. So if the Celtics win big, I think a gambling addict, this is like injecting cocaine. You know what I mean? Oh, this is like yeah. a straight adrenaline right into the heart <laughs> and it, this is how you get addicted Oy. if you win the first time you do this you are addicted then yeah because you're thinking like thousand dollars thousand dollars three-pointer three thousand $3, dollars your head is exploding oh, but it can go the other way oh sure and then all of a sudden you owe like twenty six thousand yeah. more dollars on top of what you already bet it's a very dangerous game and once you start going down that road Oof. you can be in trouble real fast yeah that's giving me anxiety now but man <laughs> if you fucking win and you're hitting like so many points i kind of get it like right, right. i've never gambled and i'm not yeah. gonna gamble on sports or anything like that but when he's like watching that game later in the movie i think it's this game actually that night and he's sitting in his living room yelling at the tv and then it it's such a great comedic moment cuz then it pans to the score oh yeah and it's 5 to 2 meaning the game <laughs> just started and he's yelling boom
2: Fuck
0: yeah! Oh yeah!
1: And Dina comes in. She's like, "What the fuck? It's right. the first quarter." <laughs> that's how people get like more interested in oh, sports, especially if it's
0: not their team. Well, even once we get to the big bet at the end, which I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about, but, like it, the idea that like you have so much riding on this, but like one part of it could fuck everything up. Yeah, you know, it's like, like the opening tip off. That's what
1: he's addicted to. Yeah. That's what gambling addiction right. is. It's not the money; it's that feeling. That you get yeah, during it, right. like everything could get fucked up, and then the feeling of like winning, you know what I mean? Because right. that's why even when he does have small victories throughout the movie, he's always rolling it to the next that's thing. Right. Because it's not about stopping when you have a certain amount of money. Yeah. That's not fun. It's just fun to keep going because right. that you're riding that high. It is almost like getting yeah. addicted to drugs or something because you're getting high off oh, of sure. that feeling. Yeah, he's so good at conveying that in the movie like you definitely get it
0: it's orgasmic
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna come (laughs) so he's riding a total of 40k which he's not using to pay back arno instead he's gambling it he ends up watching a lot of this game that i was just referring to on his phone in his son's room and he's supposed to be like i guess staying with his youngest son no because it seems like he's already in bed they don't explain it, but, you know, sometimes with younger kids, it's like he's just sort of supposed to stay there until he falls asleep kind right, of a right. thing because I guess he's scared or whatever. Meanwhile, his brother next door is like slam dunking a basketball yeah, yeah. in his room. You're like, what the fuck? It's a weird house. But it's a nice ass house. Oh, yeah. They have like a Mercedes. They have right. like a nice house in Long Island. And an apartment in the city. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, I mean, he's doing well, right. but he's wasted a lot of money yeah, on this yeah. gambling shit. Oh, you think Julia Fox is just going to hang around some loser? No, no. I'm
0: just wondering how he's even keeping this together. Like this house and this apartment. Well,
1: it's always probably it teetering. Have,
0: yeah, it doesn't have the money to pay back Arno. Or maybe he does. He's just not going to.
1: I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. He's got enough to cover his nut, but not right for this extra 100 k that's just sort of floating yeah. out there. The home life situation is very tense with Dina. We sort of figure it out more as we go along. What exactly she knows? Clearly, they're headed towards a divorce. She starts saying like, "I should just bring the boys down here right now, and get this over with." And right. he's like, "Well, we're gonna wait till after Passover. So this is, you know, obviously like the spring." Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "Well, what? Then we're gonna wait till after the summer and blah blah." blah. He's like, "Well, I wouldn't be against waiting till after the summer." See, like, <laughs> yeah, he definitely is playing this like a guy who got caught and. He isn't fully committed to the idea, which he does sort of try to get out of it several times, oh, yeah. and she's just not having it right, which is
0: hilarious that are great scenes
1: k G and the Celts come through and he's riding that high. We have a great scene where he goes into the city to meet Julia at this apartment that he pays for that she's staying at. He does this like cell phone trickery oh, where he arrives at the apartment and then pretends he's not there. He calls her and says he's not there yet. Then he hides in the closet. Yeah. It's a whole thing, and they're texting. Even
0: like this whole texting from the closet thing, even though like nothing bad was like looming, that was giving me anxiety the first time. <laughs>
1: well, especially if, if you've had bad relationships, because you're always afraid she's gonna do something because oh, yeah, she doesn't right. know. Yeah. Especially when she's on the phone when she comes in, she's like, right. "What is she gonna say on I the know. phone yeah. when he's hiding?" But she doesn't. Right. Which is why you tend to buy into their relationship because he starts being like, "What are you wearing?" And She's wearing, like, a thong. I mean, it's insane. Oh, I know. That She's She's is... taking pics and sending <laughs> it to him, and she's like, you're going to start jacking off, and he's like, I already am. <laughs> and then he's like, are you wet? And then she's like, oh, I'm so wet or whatever, and she's, like, reaching down her panties on the couch. And this was, like, a scene where people were like, no woman would ever do that, or blah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe you're not really that into your man, then. Well, do you if know you every say- <laughs> woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a little far-fetched, but- yeah. People were treating it like the lesbian sex scenes in Blue is the Warmest Color, as if like they're the expert on what every human behavior thing is. Yeah. Okay, it's a movie. Maybe she wouldn't really do shit like that if she was by herself. I don't know. I know guys would do it. <laughs> <laughs> guys would be reaching out their pants immediately. Oh yeah. Okay. I think it was just fun and it's just, it's like sexy and it sort of shows that she really is into them. Yeah. I,
0: think, I that's think it's fair. I think it's fine. Okay.
1: The next day. Howard goes to the auction house because he wants to sell this opal at auction. He's waiting on Damani to bring it back. He runs into these dudes. They're weird-looking dudes with like curly hair, but they're also bald. It's sort of well, one of them is. That's right. He brings his heavy, who is, I guess, his brother. It's hard to tell, but he sort of looks like him. So I refer to them as the twins. Oh and yeah. They're sort of these goofy dudes that Howard can just sort of brush off. He owes them money too, apparently. Right. But it's not a serious thing. They are sort of a joke. I think the incorporation of these characters is to contrast them with Arno, like the different situations, yeah, yeah. why Arno's involved with these like legitimate thug type dudes. <laughs> the difference between different styles of loan sharks and like what's gonna happen right. if you don't pay back. <laughs> like, <laughs> these dudes are just sort of comedic relief in the end. Yeah. Damani finally arrives and tells Howard, that KG's still got the opal. And so Howard makes him drive to Philly where KG is practicing. But then Damani sort of abandons him. And then Howard's just back Rightfully in so. the city in time for his daughter's I mean, school it play. It
0: seems like a kind of a dick move by Damani, but Well, you know, when you
1: rewatch it, he's like taking the basketball. and.
0: Oh, Howard is such an embarrassment.
1: He realizes like he can't bring him back there because he's going to start Talking shit to everybody and saying stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it is weird how they do it in the movie because they're like in the practice facility or wherever they are in Philly. And Damani goes back into this gated area with guards and stuff because I guess he's on a list. Howard's not on a list. He just gets left there. Yeah. And he's like screaming at him. And then it cuts. And then like Howard's back in New York at the play, his daughter's play. That he took
0: a bus back. Yeah.
1: It's just a weird little moment because you're like, he rode with him, I know. and then he's just stuck yeah. there. He gets abandoned. So Howard's at this play; he's completely zoned out. They're at the the high school watching the daughter or whatever. This play is
0: like wild, by the way.
1: <laughs> he's just like spitting money. Out I was of her like, mouth. "What is this? The Green Knight?" <laughs> it like seems super weird. Yeah, I'm sure it's a real thing. I I don't know what it was. I didn't pay that super oh, close it's attention. A,
0: uh, a Max Fisher production with the special <laughs> effects.
1: He's trying to reach Damani while his wife is like talking to another couple and he's just like oh, not yeah. even paying attention. Phil and Nico are there at the play with one of the other goons or actually it's not Phil and Nico. It's Phil and a, the other goon. There's yeah, like yeah. three or four of them right. in total. It's sort of hard to keep track. They're spotted in the audience. He's like flipping out Howard. So he's like, goes back to them. He's like, come out here let me talk to you. And then he like pushes one of them and then bites the other one and then he's running through the school trying to get away from them (laughs) when he's backstage his daughter is just like mortified she's like so embarrassed for whatever reason this always hits home with me because we talked about that part in private school where the one chick's dad is like such an embarrassment at the parents day and even though it's like a stupid comedy i was still like it's hard to watch yes like when your parents are like so embarrassing (laughs) And so, like, Howard is just backstage, and everyone's like, what's going on? And he's, like, running away from, like, these goons that he owes money to. (laughs) His daughter's just like, Dad, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) So embarrassing. Howard's chased down by Arno and his goons outside. They throw him into an SUV. There's this whole confrontation, and we find out that Arno is played by none other than Eric Bogosian. That's right, who I don't think I'd seen in a while. That's who I was referring to earlier when I thought who else could play Howard. I think like a younger Eric Bogosian oh, yeah. has that same energy. Yeah, He's also like 13 years older than Sandler, right. so he's like the other direction. Now, he wouldn't be as good because other than maybe like talk radio, I mean, what movie is he opening by himself as the star? Yeah, true. It doesn't seem like that's going to really translate as well as having like a big well-known guy right. to be the center of this, but... Yeah, I think that he could have pulled this part off sure. in his younger days. It but it is weird seeing him. <laughs> Although I do remember seeing him very briefly in the trailer, I think. You okay. see his face. I didn't realize he was going to be like that dude, but yeah. yeah. So what we learn here while they're confronting Howard in the SUV about this money and driving around is that Howard's winning bet with Gary should have won him six hundred k he should be riding high everything should be handled in fact when he sees like Phil and the other goon he th- he's oh, yeah. thinking like this is all going to be over right but arno reveals that he placed a stop on howard's bet since it was made with money howard owed to him i guess gary agreed to that oh yeah this gary is- was definitely agreeing to that after that bet hit <laughs> that's right this is a soul crushing moment one of many yeah <laughs> one of many so it's a devastating moment. He didn't win the 600K. Nothing has changed. Phil and Nico strip Howard naked and lock him in the trunk of his own car back at the school when they f- go back. Just I guess like in this scene, Sandler got choked out for real at one point. Oh, I mean, wow. it is pretty rough back yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> they like wrestling around. So when he's in the trunk, it's basically forcing him to call Dina for help. Oh, yeah. Let's... Just think about this for a moment,
0: <laughs> yeah this this is hard for me because just you've been there naked in your trunk, you know, not quite, but in mortifying situations with <laughs> girls I was on the way out with, <laughs> and having to like <laughs> just not really
1: not not very many redeeming moments. The father of her children calls while their daughter is in the middle of this play, and she comes outside and opens the trunk. Because he lies to her. He's like, oh, I right. lock my keys in the trunk. Right. So then she just comes out and opens the trunk, which I think is weird. Yeah. Why would she open the trunk if he wasn't standing there? I know. But she opens the trunk. He comes out. He's like nude. I mean, you don't see anything. But right. then he has to come back uh, I mean, into it's, the play I mean, like just wearing. just
0: like, oh, my God. I, but it's also like, what is she supposed to think? And that's one thing. She has the knowledge of the mistress situation and everything. But does she know how out of control this stuff has gone? No. Yeah.
1: I don't think it dawns on her until later when she has that line towards the very, very end where she references this. They go
0: back to show her specifically, so I agree with you. I think that's very intentional because she kind of wasn't really in the picture anymore. And they go back to show her, deliver that line. Yeah. So I think that is, yeah, like she has not realized that his gambling has
1: led to legitimate problems. Right. But just... I know. What a scene. Mortifying. And then after this, like after the play, they're back at the house in the kitchen She's, like, not talking to him. She's, like, she heating up that food.
0: Very disinterested in and anything to do with him. Those
1: smiles that she does in yeah. that scene are so funny. And then the daughter comes in, Marcel. Oh, yeah. And she fucking hates him. I know. And she exchanges a look with all her right. mother. Because yeah. she. it's after he says he's going into the city. Right. Like, they all know. Everyone knows. I don't think the sons these, know. Right. These two know, though. Yeah. I think the daughter knows about Julia. Which we She's, don't even know for sure that Dina knows. That's not really revealed yet either. But right. it's, I mean, it seems obvious, but they yeah. haven't said it. The daughter is very curt with him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's so embarrassing too because he's like, you love me. Yeah. He says that at one point.
0: I think I was listening <laughs> to an interview with the Safties and Sandler like changed that line. He was supposed to say, I love
1: you. And he changed it to, you love me, right? Well, he doesn't even say right, yeah. which makes it funnier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it is a question. He yeah. says it like a question. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you love, you me. love me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and she doesn't say anything. I
0: know. But it is
1: kind of eye-opening of his well, need to... I think that it's his daughter. She probably does love him. It's oh, yeah, different yeah. when it's a kid. She's pissed Absolutely. at him for yeah. fucking it up. And she's going to hold it against him. But I don't it's think it's as, as dead as it is with Dina, but no, no. she can't stand him.
0: It's just this moment of him needing to be loved, which is not really anything like any other scene that we've seen in the whole movie it's just like the small moment of that
1: yeah i think that plays in with the addiction to gambling because i think you talk yourself into if i could just get this big score oh, yeah. everything will right. be great everything will be over which you think almost happens at the end of the movie but even if things would have worked out in that last scenario it wouldn't have been over. it never no. is over right, right. it's always going to keep going yeah. until you get help i guess Howard goes to meet up with Damani at a party in a nightclub hosted by The Weeknd. Now, the introduction of The Weeknd as a character is not a surprise because Julia had mentioned him earlier, something to do with like photography or something. That's right. This would have been like around the time that The Weeknd was first like blowing up. Julia also, you know, she dances around some shit earlier in the movie too with, sure. with Garnett when she's like, you don't have a he, girlfriend? Yeah, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Yeah. He's like, how do you know I don't have a girlfriend? She's like, you said that. And then all of a sudden, you're like, they're kind of flirting right yeah, in front of Howard. Like Howard is like always right. on like alert with this shit. Yeah, yeah. Which is the curse. I mean, I really don't have a problem with any consenting adults of any age. I think like once you're an adult, you can date older people. The age difference between those two characters doesn't personally bother me. Sure. But... There's always a cost. (laughs) And if being constantly on high alert and jealous and freaked out, it's a trade off. That's going to be part of it. I think that's the less fun part. It seems (laughs) that's the part that's going to overtake you too. Yeah. Yeah. Howard wants to retrieve the opal from Damani, but he's having trouble finding him in this club. He spots Julia on stage right next to the weekend as he's like getting ready to perform. It's more of like a casual party. Because it's not like he's coming out to perform; he's like already out there. Is it
0: like is is there even a stage? It kind of just seems like they're all kind of on the floor level.
1: Yeah, he's like sort of up on a thing, but like not like a high stage, because it's not really like a venue; it's more like a club club or something, yeah, type space. And his jealousy and paranoia over Julia is just another thing added to this mix.
0: That whole relationship is a gamble in itself, you know. Yeah. The stakes are high. It's always at risk.
1: Damani says KG still has the opal, contrary to what he told Howard earlier on the phone. So Howard's like freaking out about the opal still. Understandably, it keeps getting pushed off. What the hell Damani's angle is? He has a relationship with NBA players, with other high profile people. I don't know how that happens. He's just like that dude.
0: But like, why did he tell him that he had the opal? I don't know. That seems odd because. But it does
1: it. seem like, Damani thinks that he has more control over things than he actually does. Because yeah, I just don't think he's gonna get it back till like Garnett decides he's giving it back. You know right, what I mean? There's right. no yeah. other option to that. Howard. <laughs> ah, this is great. Howard then <laughs> discovers Julius snorting coke oh, in no. a bathroom with yeah. the weekend. Actually,
0: a rough lead up to it, too, because like a colleague of his, that flawless dude, yeah, is like, You know, I don't want to be in your business or whatever. But, but I saw her going to the bathroom. Oh, that's brutal.
1: Then he gets into a fight with the weekend and gets kicked out. But this, the Just, build up to this is great because we see Julia in there with him, and she's like, Sort of resisting because he's like coming on to her, he's like trying to kiss her and like touch her and stuff. Uh-huh. And he's, she's like, No touching, no touching. And then he says, I want to fuck you so bad. And she's like, How bad? Yeah. As soon as she says god. how bad you're like, Oh the god. Door's open. Yeah. And then he's like making her feel his boner and she's like, Oh my God, how are you even this hard right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking losing it. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's good in this movie. She's sort of like Yeah. Garnett in the sense where she just sort of slides in. She's I don't really know believable. anything about who she is. Yeah. She sort of just appears for this movie. She's described as a New York City socialite, whatever that means. But I saw her act in the new Soderbergh movie, which I I never finished because I I was kind of finding it boring. Maybe I have to give it another chance at some point. It's like a heist movie with a bunch of people. Her part isn't particularly big. She didn't really seem to fit into the universe of that movie because it's like a period piece. you know They're trying to make her look like a housewife. (laughs) You weren't blown away by her performance? No. To be fair yeah The part I saw her in was not very big, like okay. she had like a few lines. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much more of the movie she was going to be in later. I right. don't know, but she seems much more at home in this movie. sure <laughs> uh, she seems like a New York socialite It's an unbelievable sequence. The fight with the weekend is so out of nowhere you're not oh, no. expecting it.
0: just like cringe though they're because throwing him out of the scene, club. All, he's yelling. It's horrible. All these people it's a weekend event you know yeah. what i mean like there's a talk about are you going to this weekend thing so all these people are here for the weekend and then you're like getting in a fight with them i mean <laughs> yeah you're not going to make any friends that way
1: it's pretty ballsy though he's yeah, just it like is. fuck it he's with my girl I'm oh i know and he's talking up. all sorts of shit <laughs> he's getting dragged out and she goes with him she's screaming she immediately sort of jumps back to his side yeah, yeah. she's like i'm sorry they're going out into the street It's spilling into the street in front of other people. They're screaming at each other. He's going to get a cab. He's like, "I want you out of the apartment." Well,
0: that, and that is one thing. I think this is when it's clearly addressed that she lives there like full time. Yeah, because I mean that is a dangerous game in and of itself.
1: Well, I think family, once, once his wife knew, I, mean, I know, what, but the what's, what's family the talks
0: about like coming into the city and stuff, and obviously stops there with his son later. And that's well, he's like going
1: to get slaughtered in the divorce. Elevated <laughs>
0: situation. I just It seems crazy that she just lives at this apartment full-time, too. Because it's not like a secret apartment, I guess is my point. Like, his family knows about this apartment.
1: Yeah. That is a common thing. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know about okay. now, but I know for decades, people that were rich that would live right. outside of the city would sometimes have apartments in the city, yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, they did that shit even in like the like Mad Men Pete days. Campbell. Yeah. 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 Under the guise of like well I could Yeah, I could, yeah, I could I work late. Out. It's a yeah. whole thing. Right. You know, yeah. somewhere to shower. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the next day Damani brings KG back into the store with the opal, finally, and this is the first time where the double door situation into the store becomes a thing. It gets stuck. So they have these security doors, they're two bulletproof thick glass doors. There's one set You have to get buzzed in. It's a security measure. They're in New York City. Obviously, a lot of valuable stuff in there. It becomes a plot point later. They get stuck sometimes. This is an embarrassing scene where KG and his guys are stuck in there with Damani for like forever. That's another tension building thing where you're just like, oh my God, how long is this taking? (laughs) They're all yelling. I do think that KG comes across as a dick in this movie. He has, like, zero patience. Oh, I know. He's not, like, a nice dude to no, anybody. No. He's not, like, horrible either. Yeah. He does come off as a dick, but I
0: kind of just take it as celebrities in these situations where they're amongst, like, kind of so many
1: civilians. Yeah. Like
0: you kind of just want to get in and out of those. That's kind of the vibe I was Oh, yeah, okay. From.
1: You can relate to those celebrities.
0: Uh, <laughs> I can understand why they'd want to be away from us scum. <laughs> oh, I thought you were including yourself. On the celebrity one side. One day. One day I'll be there. <laughs> for this podcast. Yeah, that's right. At our fan event. Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> KG wants to buy the Opal for 175000 but Howard refuses, citing an auction he's taking it to, the auction, but also because he believes it's worth much more deep down. He's using the auction as an excuse, but he thinks he's going to get way more than one hundred and seventy-five. dollars KG wants his ring back, but Howard lies and says he left it at home in Long Island, this is the craziest part he gives him the opal back without getting the ring back right
0: that does seem crazy he's very nonchalant about howard not having the ring i guess he's just trusting at this point that oh this is legitimate
1: yeah he's like well will give it back to you whatever it's fine but everything's just building up at this point there's so many stressful things we're not even addressing like the michael jackson pendant with flawless like he's got shit the Celtics ring is just his usual mo. He's yeah. got this shit going all over the place with all kinds of different scenes. Yeah,
0: what did he do with the pendant? He the, pawned it. He pawned and that that's too. Flawless's piece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he was trying to sell it.
1: that to the weekend. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. I know. And it's all building up to this chaotic stretch when KG leaves, and then Damani flipping out over the watches, trashing howard's office like dumping that shit in the fish tank and then it's like crunch time to get the opal to the auction house the doctor's on the phone with the colonoscopy results yeah i
0: love with the damani thing how damani's supposed to be storing his watches in howard's safe or whatever and there's supposed to be like 20 of them yeah there's only three
1: left (laughs) he's been using them as like collateral for all this other shit (laughs) even though they're fake yeah And then to top things off, Julia shows up. It's another scene. He's like knocking that drink onto her by the elevator. Oh my gosh. They're screaming at each other in front of people. (laughs) He's definitely getting some flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Howard demands that she move out of the apartment he keeps in the city. That night, he's putting a deadline on it. (laughs) You get the feeling she's kind of a bad girl sometimes. Their relationship, like I don't know if she cheats on him or not, but I'm just getting the vibe that this weekend incident is not the first time that there's been something questionable and he's just, I can't, I have to put my foot down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. The Garnett thing, you know, seemed like there was a little something there. Just like that. She was even openly flirting in front
1: of him. Yeah. I do think though that to be fair to her, that this movie is told through Howard's perspective. So it's always going to look bad. And he's always on this, like, high alert. He doesn't trust her at all, which, of course, is a problem. I mean, how are you going to have a relationship with someone you don't trust? Right. And the age difference between the two of them is obviously something that bothers him. Definitely. He loves the fact that she looks good and that he's going to fuck her and everything, but it's never going to leave his mind that she might be looking for somebody that's going to fuck her better and be younger and sexier or, or whatever. So now we're at Passover. This is where we learn the truth about Arno. I was blown away. In the I know. Theater. This
0: was a nuts spin moment. Oh, this dude is part of his family.
1: To put it in perspective, during the SUV scene outside of the play, Arno is like a boss. He's yelling yeah, at these right. other thug dudes. They seem to listen to what he says. Your perspective as a viewer is that he is like some big deal, scary potentially organized crime guy. Right, right. Some kind of a boss dude. He does reference Howard's kids by name at one point in a casual way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's related to them in sure. some way or anything yeah. like that. And you find out that Arno is actually Howard's brother-in-law. Now, Arno is not related by blood to neither Howard, obviously, because it's in law, or Dina. Dina. He is Dina's sister's husband. Right. So there is that disconnect there, although it does add this whole bizarre layer when they're sitting together at this Passover dinner and you look over, the camera pans over, and there's fucking Arno sitting there.
0: (laughs) You're like, what?
1: And he doesn't seem tough anymore. No,
0: no. In fact, they really break him down in the scene because Judd Hirsch, who, uh, if we haven't had enough recognizable faces in the movie so far, he shows up. Yes, he plays... As, like, Dina's dad father right yeah but he seems like he kind of loves Howard to some yes he does love Howard and he hates Arno yes (laughs) so like Arno has been even like kind of more diminished in this scene
1: yeah and also there's a moment where Howard's coming out of the bathroom and Arno's waiting to go in he didn't know that it was Howard in there yeah and Howard like get basically gets in his face he's like you're not so tough now right and yeah, Arno doesn't, he cowers doesn't when and he's thing, by himself, yeah. he doesn't really have anything to say. So yeah, without his paid goons, it's like a whole different scene. KG on the TV playing like shit that night without right. the opal. Yeah. And it's just a whole super awkward, tense moment. But a lot of the characters aren't really sure why. Because it's really between right, right. Arno and Howard. Although Dina does look over at Howard's phone at one point whenever oh, no. Julia is like, sending texts.
0: She sends him a Craigslist ad, so I guess like the implication is she's gonna move out, but he's gonna pay for the place, so he has to approve it. That's what I was like taking out of it because it's a Craigslist ad for an apartment.
1: Yeah, I couldn't figure out it. I guess, yeah, what you're saying probably makes sense. I just thought that's like she was saying that's where I'm moving.
0: It could be that I was taking it. Why would than she
1: it? think that he's gonna pay for it?
0: Why would she send him in a park?
1: I don't know, but like, I don't, but I'm wondering what does she have over him that
0: she his I wife already just, knows? Just, I'm more taking it that this is like the life that she's used to. Like, yes, they're going to break <laughs> up, but that means he's still going to support her for some period of time. I don't know. I might be making like wild spins here. That but could be it.
1: I don't know. It's it I really weird don't. to
0: me that she would send him the yeah. place that she's considering moving to.
1: It is weird. I didn't know what it meant either, yeah. but yeah, your take could be true. The balls on these people, know, it's yeah. insane.
0: Right. Well, she just seems like she lives in I thought it life. was a
1: threat, like, are you serious? Okay. Like, because yeah. if you are, I'm moving out right now. Like, a last that. chance for him to be yeah. like, no, no, don't. No, no, don't. Wait. But it just, like, pisses him off, so he's, like, fighting with his girlfriend over texts at All this right. Passover yeah. dinner. <laughs> Judd Hirsch's character's name is Gooey, which is hard to believe, yeah. but. I wonder how Gooey's gonna feel about him once this all comes out. <laughs> well, he doesn't do a lot to stay in Gooey's good graces. We'll just say that. After the super awkward Passover dinner, Dina rejects Howard's plea to give their marriage another chance. It's another incredible scene. I know. It's heightened by Dina wearing her old bar mitzvah dress. She's wearing this like crazy pink dress that she fit into. The other people in the family are like freaking out over her wearing the dress, right. but then they're having this like serious discussion. He's like begging her for a second chance because he thinks that it's over with Julia. He's like
0: trying to have a sweet moment with her, trying to like do anything to like recapture old yeah, you know, positive feelings and she is just like I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> not having it.
1: He tells her to punch him in the face and she fakes him out and then she laughs at him and she's Wait. like I don't even want to touch you. Yeah. <laughs> to tough, hit you. Tough. <laughs> it is fucking dark because Look, I'm in no position to give people marital (laughs) advice, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, okay, let's hear it. Look, if you have kids and you're going to get a divorce, you just got to do it. I know. Because you don't think the kids can pick up on a vibe? Like how fucking angry and weird it is? You got to just rip the band-aid off at that point. I think if you two hate each other, everyone's going to pick up on a vibe. Yeah. But it
0: it keeps going. live
1: in a house with people that hate each other. So let's recap where we're at. Number one. (laughs) The opal, which is set to be auctioned soon, is being appraised at the auction house at the moment. He did get it there in time on a Friday. Number two, Howard owes a lot of money to Arno, his brother-in-law, who has employed some muscle to make sure he is repaid. I do think that Arno is a loan shark. He's used to dealing with more smaller time, less crazy people. He's being taken advantage of by his brother-in-law. My take on the movie is he's outsourced this help. Yeah, I don't know if all of these guys are his usual guys. That's what it seems like. Why would he need that many usual guys? It seems a little excessive. And that plays into shit later in the movie, obviously. Howard pawned Kevin Garnett's Celtics championship ring to make a huge bet that was ultimately canceled by Arno. Never really explained what happened to that 40K that he gave to Gary. Did that go to pay his debt? So does like he part of his 60 debt. Now? They never really say that. He also pawned a Michael Jackson pendant that does not belong to him. We're not going to really focus on that shit.
0: Well, it's even focused on minimally in the movie. Yeah, it's just to show I, yeah. you he's
1: got a lot of things right. at all times yeah. that are spiraling. He owes those twins money, but they appear relatively toothless. That's number five. Number six, his marriage is essentially over. His daughter hates him. Number seven, now he has a severed relationship with Damani, who has trashed his office and stormed out. That's right. Although, off camera at some point, not in the movie, it seems like they've reconciled because Damani seems to like set up the sale later, yeah. but that's never really explained.
0: It feels like they might have a volatile relationship, but they have like a mutually beneficial relationship, too. Number eight,
1: Howard is currently forcing his girlfriend Julia to move out of the city apartment although he has not actually fired her from her job right although he's always like it must be nice to work whenever you (laughs) 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 want." he always got the same beats he's got the bullet points that he's got to (laughs) hit you sleep all day (laughs) this family howard wants to stop by the apartment i guess he wants to see if she's moved out right that's really the only reason he's going up there i guess
0: but again just can't make good decisions. No,
1: like, this is the psychology of a gambling addict. Yeah, exactly. he's addicted to this feeling he's right. going to get from pulling this move. Because
0: he's, this is another risky situation. He's, he's intentionally his son doing this. With him.
1: Well, he doesn't know his son's going to go up. His, yeah. The joy, the glee on Dina's face when she's basically forcing him to take the son upstairs, Eddie. Right. Because she knows. Oh, she oh, knows yeah. what's going on up there. She's that fucked up too. Oh, I know. Dina's no saint because she wants her own son
0: to be made aware to be exposed of, to yeah. this
1: scene. Like she's using her her son as a pawn here. Not that she's anywhere near as bad as Howard, sure, but no. this is a kind of a fucked up thing to do because you can see it in her face. Like the, it's a good scene from Menzel in this yeah. in this moment because they definitely convey that look of like I know what is going on up there. So yeah, you take your son to go to the bathroom. All right, go take him. I know. She's almost daring him. To say, I can't take, you know what I mean? Like, she wants <sighs> right. him to say it. So his son's got to go to the bathroom, so he's coming up. Howard's going to knock <laughs> on neighbors' doors under the guise of the bathroom in his apartment being under construction, which doesn't even make sense. Like, what are you and, talking like, why about? Why
0: wouldn't his son question this?
1: Obviously, he's concerned that Julia is still going to be in the apartment.
0: Wouldn't you tell them when you're still in the car, the bathroom doesn't work?
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, I guess he couldn't come up with it fast enough. He knew his wife was going to call bullshit on that. So he drops Eddie off at at one of the neighbor's apartments, and then he goes down to it, and you can hear the music blasting out of it already. It's so funny. Look. (laughs) (laughs) When he opens that door and Rain by Madonna is blasting out of this apartment, I I was marking out in the theater. (laughs) I was like Chris Penn in Reservoir Dogs. I was like, I hadn't heard this song since it was big. And I had I right. oh, completely yeah. forgotten about this song. Underrated Madonna jam out of nowhere. Great. Great moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She is gone, though, Julia. She's left oh, yeah. the apartment, for some reason has left a note with Madonna playing on the speakers. I guess assuming he's going to show up to and, check.
0: I guess on repeat?
1: I'm assuming this wasn't a playlist. <laughs> a playlist of one song oh, yeah. over and over. <laughs> well, it's 2012. I did want to say this. There are things in this movie that I truly believe were not common in 2012. Or flat out didn't exist yet, or just little technology things that happen. I could be wrong. I'm not always hip to slang, but she refers to Howard as being extra oh, yeah, at the beginning. Oh,
0: yeah, a little pre-2012. You mean post? Sorry, post, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's that. I think some of the technology at the Mohegan Sun seemed a little too new to me. Yeah. Especially in Wayne Diamond's room at the right. end, that thing she uses for the TV remote. Like, I don't know, was well, that too- she
0: use the- an ipad to turn on the tv
1: something like that i mean was that common in a hotel room i wouldn't think
0: i think i mean ipads were out at that time but i don't think they were so dominant that they are being used for things like
1: that there's a few moments there's some other things too not nothing major nothing major look i fucking hate things like cinema cinema sins you know how cinema sins on youtube is like huge it's basically like point out every little thing that's wrong in a movie. No,
0: I didn't really know that, but
1: it's like a huge thing. Yeah, well, good. You're better off. That's Thank like you. what yes. dominates. I try like, to
0: avoid things that piss me off. Like I, I don't, I don't spend time seeking out things that'll make me mad, and that is something that would. Yeah,
1: it's just annoying. Yeah. It, it, that's what film criticism has been like reduced to is like a gotcha game of like, can we figure out like little plot holes or little stupid things or anachronistic things or whatever? And it's like, oh God, shut up. <laughs> But anyway, that's not what this show's about, the greatest moments.
0: Even though, like, we constantly are saying, even though this makes no sense.
1: (laughs) Well, sometimes things don't make sense, but it's still awesome. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That makes it better. Reality sucks.
1: So Eddie comes out of this dude's apartment that he went to the bathroom in, and Uh he's like, so who's the hot chick living in this apartment? That guy said you had a hot chick living there. Is that mom? Yeah. And then he goes, is that mom? And I was like, oh, man, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a just sweet thing to say. I mean, his mom is a total babe. Absolutely. But it's just sweet that he says that about his own mom. It's completely naive. Like, right. why would his mom be at this apartment? Dude, you sleep at your house. You know where your mom's sleeping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: What are you talking about? It has not dawned on him, like the older daughter, like what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah. Just before the auction starts the next day. Howard learns that the Opal has actually been appraised for significantly less than his initial estimate of $1 million. Oh, no. Seems like it's more like maxing out at $225,000 at most. Screaming, scene-causing. Oh, I know. Tantruming in f- this fucking auction Meltdown. thing. The voice of Anne, the uh, auction head on the phone, we never see Anne, is... Tilda Swinton.
0: Who does not want to be put on the phone with Howard. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Earlier in the movie, Natasha Lyonne was the voice of the Boston Celtics player personnel, which he called before KG finally showed up with the Opal. He was like a logic complaint. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Garnett, he's there planning on bidding on the Opal. So realizing that he might have like one serious buyer that he thinks he can milk out the most possible from. Howard convinces his father-in-law, yeah. Gooey.
0: And if Garnett hadn't been wrapped up in this whole thing, the bidding does not go that high without Garnett.
1: Yeah, what it was it, like 140 like or it something It would have been, like yeah,
0: well below what he was hoping to get.
1: So Howard convinces his father-in-law, Gooey, to bid on the gem in hopes of raising the price. But the plan backfires when Garnett fails to top Gooey's final bid.
0: Which is only like 175 right?
1: no gooey pays 190 190 he was hoping okay. to get Garnet. he's well after the fact yeah, he's like yeah. i would have stopped at 200 like he was trying to get garnett to go to at least 200 yeah
0: yeah this is another moment the first time you see this movie that your anxiety is just cranked because his father-in-law is like about to front him 200k that you know he doesn't have like Howard, in order to repay it so it's like as it's going up you're like stop pushing just end this <laughs> let garnett win this
1: Well, the plan is like Gooey does have the money. No, I know,
0: but Howard doesn't have it to repay him.
1: Well, it goes into his account, so he'd have to just give it back. That's what he says after the fact. He's like, it gets wired into my account, and then I'll send it back.
0: He's got the. uh, But he has to give him. Yeah, he has
1: to give him twenty percent or whatever it was, whatever percentage he he offered him. the auction house or something, right? No, no, he promised Gooey a percentage. Oh, okay, okay. I love that Gooey's holding him to that, even though Garnett didn't get it. Right. You have to pay me 20% of this fake money. <laughs> yeah. A furious gooey gives Howard the opal back before Arno, Phil, and Nico assault Howard outside the auction house. First, they like elbow him in the neck so his like throat Can't is talk. fucked up. Yeah. Then they like punch him in the face. Howard returns to KMH bloody and in tears. He's got tissues sticking in the nose. <laughs> it's quite
0: a sight. <laughs> Don't, don't look at me.
2: Oh my God, Howard. Don't look at me. What the fuck happened to you? Don't look at me, please. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what everybody's... Doing. It's not ever going right. I know, I know. I'm so sad. I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up. Yeah, I'm really upset too. I'm sorry if this has anything to do with me, but I swear I really didn't do anything. I wish you were nicer to me, though. It was not nice what you did to me. I try, but it's really hard. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't have any place to go. I don't have anywhere to get better. But you do. Like, really, Howard? You're my home. You could come to me. I know. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. Everything I do is not going right. Everything I do is not going right. I don't know what to do. I really don't. I don't want anymore yeah. this shit. I really don't. I gotta figure I this out. I gotta figure this out. I really do. Uh, well, I, I got something if you want, but you can't make fun of me. What? <laughs> I got it so stupid, but no. I don't know, I got it. I thought, I thought it would make you feel better. Look, unzip my skirt. Not like that. Just unzipping skirt. <laughs> it says Howie. What did you do? Why would you? Do? No, you don't like I, it? No, I do. I'm not worth it. Yes, I'm you not are. worth you it. Are I don't. It. Look, Howie. <laughs> you, I'm, I'm so crazy about you. It. Yes, you do. I love no, you. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. You're gonna. You can't even get buried with me no. now.
1: Julia sees that he's in distress. She's still working at the store, which is hilarious. She comes back and starts like talking to him. He's like, I'm so sad. I'm so
0: fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> this is all like building to like the movie. He's finally like breaking down. Yeah.
1: He's like, I can't do this. Like, ev- nothing is working. It's all going wrong. I'm so fucked up. And she's like trying to comfort him. So she shows him her ass and she's got like Howie tattooed on it, which is so dumb. Oh, I know. It's just so ridiculous that she did this. It's she
0: a, definitely a wild
1: move. She comforts him and they essentially reconcile in this but, moment. Uh, his his initial reaction is to be like, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy. <laughs> like, why? It's great, I love you. And he's like, I'm not worthy of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm not worth it. <laughs> She's like, You are, I love you. <laughs> I'm so fucking crazy about you. Oh <laughs> yeah. You hear the horror stories from the people that go to Vegas, you know. They'll be on an elevator with a couple, and you can hear them talking about losing their house or or mortgaging their house. You know, it's like fucked up shit they're doing because they're so in the hole. Chasing it, yeah. And they're basically living that life in the the back office of his store. Like it's just this roller coaster of insane emotions, the highs and the lows, mostly lows. It's just so fucked up. She's sort of vicariously addicted to his bullshit. Uh, I'd say so. You know, she seems to be wrapped up in this opal. She's wrapped up in, like, the money he's going to get. She does
0: things that piss him off when it seems like she could avoid those situations.
1: Their relationship is sort of like the one in Phantom Thread. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets too carried away, she's going to, like, rub up on the weekend's dick. Yeah, <laughs> That's like the poison <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Howard reaches out to... Garnett, this is where Damani is just mentioned as being involved again, although right. they never you never see Damani again and you don't well you do at the end, but not like involved in the yeah, story. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on. But I guess he's thinking like I'm gonna get a cut, so I'm still gonna facilitate the deal. And Garnett like does take however many foul like was it I ten thousand like or something? Ten K, yeah. He takes that out as like Damani's cut like later. So yeah, he facilitates this thing because he reaches out to Garnett. Garnett's still willing to pay $175, which is what he offered initially in the store. So then Howard's like, oh shit. <laughs> he runs back oh, to know. the pawn shop, trades his Knicks championship ring. Plus he's gotta like agree to some sort of a new Vig. He's oh, like know. owing these pawn people money. To get KG's Celtics ring back in preparation for KG's arrival to buy the Opal. Garnett arrives, pays the money. Gives Howard enough to pay back Arno. This could be the end of it. I know. But of course it's not. And this is what is so great. Because you.
0: This is like the best. The first time you watch it, you're like, I know.
1: Okay. That seemed crazy enough, what we just watched. I can't believe he walked this tightrope to get this money. Right. Here come Arno, Phil, and Nico. Yeah. But no. (laughs) They arrive at KMH just before Garnett leaves. As Howard's talking to Garnett, though, in his back office, this is where he's giving, like, this is uh, wh- yeah. how I win that speech. Right, right.
2: <laughs> you want to win by one point of fucking 30 points, KG, right? I see you out there when the fucking stadium's all booing you. You're 30 up, you're still going full tilt. Let's see what Vegas. What has Vegas got you guys at tonight? Take a look. Let's see. Are you, are you serious? You gonna put us up right here? Look at this shit. The Sixers are supposed to win the game tonight, they think. We don't keep tracking on that shit. They think a... on game seven, you're not going to get fucking 18 points. They don't think you're going to get eight rebounds? These guys don't know shit about boys. What the fuck are they doing? Doesn't that make you want to fucking kill them? Doesn't that make you want to say, fuck you for doubting me? Doesn't that make you want to step on fucking Elton
0: Brand's fucking neck? Come on, KG. This is no different than that.
2: This is me, all right. I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win.
1: You can see the gears in his head start turning because he's psyching Garnett up. He's showing oh, yeah. him the online betting like, lines. Like what they have the
0: lines for Garnett and how it's like not that good.
1: Yeah, like look, they got the 76ers winning tonight. You guys are the underdog. They got how many points for you? Blah. You know, he's right, like psyching right. him up. It's so disgusting because, you know, he's just trying to, like, get an edge to make a bet, and he's psyching himself up to do something really fucking stupid.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> he gets Julia to go next door yeah. to the other store in the building. I didn't even realize at first that, like, KMH was, like, upstairs. I guess you see him going into the elevator yeah, yeah, yeah. later, but it's sort of weird because it seems like it would be on the first floor, but okay.
0: I didn't think it was a, a building this that, that was, like, this many stories. Yeah. His window's pretty high up.
1: Yeah. But he gets Julia to go next door. They're hanging out the windows so he can pass her the money that Garnett just gave him. Yeah. So Julia's got the cash so that Arno and company won't see. Howard tells her to bet the cash on a three-way parlay on (laughs) Garnett having another strong performance in that night's playoff game. And this is a very simplified idea of what the bet is. It's like a... Is it a three-way par- well, parlay? I mean, he,
0: it's points, rebounds, win, and Celtics
1: have to win the tip. But it's points plus rebounds. So yeah. So that's just one. Right. Win, and Celtics win the tip. Yeah, which yeah. I don't know a lot about gambling. I remember Cousin Sal, some of the other gamblers right. out there, they were saying this like this well, isn't a way, real bet.
0: There's some way you get to points. I don't know how. You, they need Garnett to get to 26 points, but somehow it's like 9 Baskets and seven rebounds like gets him
1: there. I, yeah, but it's not points, it's 26 total. He's just got to get okay. He's betting points plus rebounds as if it's like one, so just
0: 26 as a combination.
1: The big sticking point seemed to be the tip thing. Yeah, people were like, That's not a thing that you could just bet at a casino,
0: Like, like to add on to yeah, other
1: things. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know, but people were. Sort of saying that's not real. I, to me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Essentially, he bets I this triple parlay thing.
0: Know very little about gambling. I would not do well in this world.
1: <laughs> Julia escapes the building and gets on a helicopter. This is another insane part of the movie that they gloss over. Oh, How does he just...
0: book this helicopter for her? <laughs> that has to be like a significant chunk of the money. <laughs> I just can't imagine like renting a helicopter ride is cheap.
1: I know that... Comedians from New York City, slightly higher profile, yeah. would take helicopters to Mohegan. That must be a thing with that casino.
0: Well, if they were performing there, Mohegan was probably paying for it in that sense. Well, right, like, oh, but yeah. it must just
1: be a thing though. Oh right, and that she exists, he, yeah. she is riding with that high roller guy, right, Wayne right. Diamond, yeah. which is his real name. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> Well, his real name, name in the sense that that's the name he goes by. I don't know yeah. what his real name is. He's like this super tan, yeah, dude, right.
0: <laughs> almost like feathered hair.
1: So, Julie escapes, gets on the helicopter to go to the Mahegan Sun Casino to place the bet for Howard. The situation is spiraling, and now even Arno looks concerned. The goons are in the office. They're flipping out. It's getting violent. This is the first time I think the viewer realizes how little control Arno actually has That's over right, this. yeah. Because he seems in control earlier in the movie. Yeah, especially in the car. Because he's probably thinking, like, I need to intimidate him to get this money back, and I don't care if they, like, rough him up but like I can't have it go too far. Right. Because this guy is my family. Yeah. I don't think he cares about him, but he can't yeah. like fuck everything up. Right. <laughs> Obviously to someone like me, a hundred K is plenty of money, but how much of that could be promised to these goons that they're like this invested? in? Yeah.
0: Them? It does seem odd.
1: How much are they getting out of this? Right. They're surveilling him like 24 seven. almost. I know.
0: Are they getting a daily rate? Or are they just supposed to get a cut of this?
1: I don't know. He's it got to be paying. doesn't from. seem worth it. Yeah. The goons want to pursue Julia. Only one of them ends up getting out. It's not Phil or Nico. It's like the other guy. Howard refuses to call her to cancel the bet, even when they hang him upside down out of that window. I know. <laughs> Shades of Suge Knight. <laughs> just committed to the bet. Yeah, he starts styling the number, and then he just like hangs up. He <laughs> <laughs> just refuses to do it. He's so convinced that he's going to score big that he can't stop. I know. This part stretches credibility a little bit because one of the dudes already got out. And so they could just tell this dude, but like they give up on Howard instead of like going further with it. And they're just like, well, furious, the three of them learn where Julia is headed.
0: That's right, They're and they just...
1: attempt to track her down, but then Howard keeps them locked in between the store's security doors.
0: They've had some success stopping his bets. <laughs> well, that's why
1: he ha- he didn't go to a bookie; right. he went to a casino. Because once it's in, it's in. I yeah. mean, there's no backing out there, and it's farther away. Right, and it seems like maybe Gary was the last, because I'm sure bookie he's gone to like yeah, he's too. gone to a lot of bookies probably. Right.
0: And Gary was reluctant to take the bet.
1: Well, he was paying up front. Yeah. That's why the question mark over that 40K, it's like, well, did Arno take that? Where did that money go? He gave it to Gary at one point. So they're stuck between these doors. It's complete insanity. They tell the other guy who got out, though, where she is. So he's headed to the Mohegan Sun to try to stop her. (laughs) Yes. But three dudes are stuck in between the security doors. Phil gets on the phone. Howard doesn't know, know what he's doing. Yeah. So he calls Dina and he's like, Dina, get the kids out of the house. Yeah. He's trying to pretend like there's a gas leak or something. And she's like, why would they call you at the office instead of call the house? He's like, I don't know. Get out of the house. And then she, I think she finally like realizes like Something's he's up. not talking about yeah. gas leaks here. So but she goes to stay with like a friend or something. genuinely
0: concerned about him in the moment, too. Yeah. Because she's like, well, you'll meet us over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think she's afraid because he's, like, freaking out. Right. But it's never clear who Phil calls. You never know. No. It's never revealed. I think he was just doing that to try to get him to open the door because what good is that going to do? Yeah, yeah. It's not really going to get the money at that point if you're going to, like, fuck with his family or something. Slowly dawning on Arno over this whole situation that he has zero control of what's happening, Phil and to a lesser extent nico have taken over the lead like they are gonna get this money oh yeah it remains to even be seen whether or not arno would get the money at this (laughs) point i know (laughs) finally meet wayne diamond in the helicopter with julia he's like in love immediately (laughs) he's like you're hot he keeps like saying you're hot yeah
0: (laughs) i know he's just relentless about it and every time he sees her he's just like oh third time i've seen you this is the best day that's ever happened
1: He's got game. I'll give him that. I mean, she's not buying it, but he's got at least something going. He seems like a high roller. He's like comp that big room. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. (laughs) He seems like insanely wealthy.
1: Imagine being insanely wealthy and you're like, I'm going to hang out the Mohegan Sun. Go to Vegas. Yeah, well, this is just... This is just a a weekday. That's right. Yeah. What about Atlantic City, though? Yeah. I don't know. He
0: seems to be doing just fine. (laughs)
1: I know. I've never been to the Mohegan Sun. I don't know why I'm trashing it. <laughs> Aren't there, like, a lot of them? Or is there just that one?
0: I thought it was just one.
1: Okay, maybe. For some reason, I thought there were multiple, but maybe not.
0: There could be. I know Uh, my parents went when we lived in Massachusetts.
1: Okay. Well, if they went to that one, then, yeah, I guess there is probably just it, the it's one. It's in Connecticut. Yeah. One, yeah. Okay.
0: I think I'm looking it up. I think it's just the one. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Howard watches the Celtics 76ers game on television while Arno, Phil, and Nico remain trapped. Julia evades that fourth goon who followed her to the casino. This is what I was referring to earlier: the Safties getting like other people just to do stuff. Like Doc Rivers recorded like a new locker oh, room. Oh wow! Talk.
0: Okay, I mean it's definitely clearly his voice. It was
1: based off of a real speech he had given, okay, but yeah. it was like re-recorded. It was like a I new assume thing.
0: that they had to do that, but I, I was thinking about that. This is definitely his voice. It seems odd that they would have the rights to have something that was maybe recorded during a real.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was a rights issue or if they just wanted like a specific thing. Or something that sounded right. Yeah, they had to get like the right thing, but yeah. It adds like a layer of authenticity to it. The game portion goes on forever, but it does suck you in where they're showing like highlights of the game and stuff. I don't know how they got the f- I guess like the NBA probably didn't care this game's like 10 years old. All yeah, right, yeah, we'll sure. license you this footage. But it is weird because it's associated with gambling. Like some sports That's right. are very like reluctant to be mixed up in that kind of stuff, but I guess they were like, okay, even though they've had <laughs> that referee scandal. That's right. Know, like, yeah. They, they've definitely had some scandals at points.
0: Even <laughs> though it's not this way, it is kind of closely tying a player to gambling too even though it's not like garnett's gambling it's
1: garnett's money that's being used to make this huge bet yeah yeah Yeah, that is but garnett had been out of the league sure i don't know
0: yeah
1: i'm sure the nba didn't really care but i don't know who who had to give them the rights to it i'm sure espn had to be involved as well because that's seemingly what channel the games were on it seemed like yeah that seems right so this goes on for a while and you get sucked into the action and you're seeing the game from Howard's perspective. You're seeing like the game from Julia's perspective. She ends up hiding in that Wayne diamonds comp room because she sees the, that dude looking for in, him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Seems like a shady move. What? I guess more of just like a, qu- a questionable move. What does just go into this guy's penthouse room. I don't know.
1: Well, you know, you got to use what's available. Yeah. And for her, I guess it's dudes being into her. So she's Uh, going to take advantage of that situation to get away from that other guy.
0: Yeah. I guess that's what I was trying to say. He seems like kind of a shady dude.
1: Well, maybe that's just because he looks weird. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really do anything that shady. No, he doesn't. He just says she's hot like a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, come on. (laughs) He's just calling it like it is. (laughs) So the Celtics win. Howard hits on all parts of the parlay. Meanwhile, Phil, Arno, and Nico just, like, sweating oh, profusely, it miserable-looking. It had
0: to be so long. I don't know. What is this, three hours?
1: Probably. Yeah. They're trapped in there for the duration of the game. The bet has earned $1.2 Completely insane. I know. But I'm sure you were feeling the same way as me. You felt like the other shoe had to drop. Like Absolutely. something was fucked yes. up. There's no way it's ending on him being a big success. Right, There's right. just no way. Yeah. <laughs> An ecstatic Howard frees Arno, Phil, and Nico, but the enraged Phil shoots Howard in the face. Immediately after <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. comes right out. In fact No words, just No, before he gets let out, he's like, Congratulations. Oh, like yeah. he starts saying, like, oh, you proved your point. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he forgave him or something, and then right. just like boom, right in yeah. the face. <laughs> That was definitely like a record scratch moment in the theater. People were like, oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: sad. Oh man. Right in this moment where it finally, something finally came together for him and in a big way.
1: Yeah. Uh, How great would the fuck be that night with Julia? They were going to dump that cash all over a big bed (laughs) and go to town and it's just as ruined. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think one of the things that you're supposed to take away, or I, I would imagine you're taking away from this movie, is, like, if he isn't killed here, like, how much of this money is he, like, pissing away? I mean, I know it's hard to get rid of a million dollars. but I he-
1: think at this point... Well, yeah, he would have pissed it all away. But at this point, with a $1.2 million bet, you have to believe he realizes he's got to give this money to Arno now. Yeah. that He would have closed 000, that yeah. chapter. But then... Oh, yeah, he would have gotten in other shit immediately. I mean, because he was already
0: betting at a rate of 100 k before. I mean, at a million dollars. Right. You can get there kind of quickly at that rate.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like a depressing thing because, like, Arno's celebrating too because he's like, I can't believe he won. It's like, you hit, blah, blah, blah. He's like completely bought oh, right. into this yeah. now. Because even during the game, he's like asking, like, What's the score say? Yeah. He's like sort of buying into Howard's excitement. Well, at
0: that point, you might as well just root for him because. If he doesn't win,
1: yeah, poof, I don't even want to think about that. But then, of course, he does, and it doesn't work out. He's thinking it's a big relief, like, they're right. going to kill this guy. And then like, oh, no, he won. And then they kill him anyway. Yeah. Arno freaks out and tries to escape, but Phil shoots him dead, too, which is, al- right. like, almost equally as shocking. You're like, oh, my God.
0: Because it's very brutal, at least with the Howard one, there's a little bit of a shock. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. With Arno, he's, like, basically telling him, like, if you try to fuck around, I'm going to kill you. And then he does. And then he kind of just, like, grabs him, like, stands him up in front of him, and then pulls the gun up and shoots him in the head. It's kind of, like,
1: just really brutal. Wayne Diamond picks up Julia's winnings so that that other guy doesn't see. Right. And she leaves the casino completely unaware of what's happened. We jump around. We see Damani. We see... This is where she's telling her friend, I don't know. He was naked in the trunk. She's finally like dawning on her something. She's like, Something's wrong. Yeah. I'm calling the police. I don't know what she's going to tell them. but (laughs) (laughs) Phil and Nico smash and loot KMH, which I know that like they have some dialogue thrown in there about them like getting the cameras from the store and stuff. I feel like. There's cameras in that entire building. I know. These like, guys are going down for this Yeah, crime. this is so stupid. Uh, but
0: now that they've killed these two guys, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're so fucked. There's no getting out of this now. And then the movie ends with the camera traveling into the bullet wound and then back into the opal. And then we sort of dissolve into the night sky, which is supposed to be like the universe, I guess. And then yeah. it's the credits. And it's such like a gut punch of an ending. My final verdict is I would say that it's probably as good as Good Time. It might be a little better because Sandler brings like this yeah. crazy performance. Not that Pattinson's not good in Good Time. I think story wise Good Time is more interesting because it comes out of nowhere. It's like it feels everyday life at first, and then you're like, okay, this keeps escalating right. unexpectedly. Yeah. Whereas with this Not that it's like bad, but this seems like straightforward. Like this guy's a gambling addict, so let's just keep having him raise his own stakes. If you get annoyed with that, you're just gonna hate the character and maybe not like the movie. I would say they're they're pretty close. Uncut gems might be like slightly better, but they're both like really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing about good time for me is just how unexpected it is, where you're just like, where is this going? It just keeps taking these turns where you're like
0: What is happening now? It's like a Tim Robinson sketch where, just like (laughs) a little bit, end somewhere completely different from where you started.
1: Yeah, the situation at the end of Good Time is literally impossible to predict how you got there from the beginning. Oh yeah. Whereas Uncut Gems, it's not. That's true. That's true. Getting killed over a debt.
0: Seems like maybe it could have happened five minutes into the
1: movie. He's always dancing with that devil the whole time. But Sandler is so good in it. Oh, I know. That. It is like a special tour de force performance. It's completely absurd that this movie was essentially shut out at the Oscars. Not even any nominations. Which is insane. I know 2019 was a good year, but... Yeah, no, that's
0: certainly a big miss to not be included at all.
1: He won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Actor. So he was nominated and won, but didn't get the nomination at, at all. Which is weird.
0: It is. It's too bad, really.
1: Yeah, so that's Uncut Gems, something special a yeah.
0: recent film. Safti brothers will be interested in their work for years to come.
1: Oh yeah. One of the Safties I believe is going to be in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, sweet. Yes. That would be Benny who was acting in Good Time. Right.
2: What are you doing? What? What? Vincent
1: stopped making picks.
2: How am I gonna know what movies to see?
1: We have a wide variety of Gene pics.
2: Gene's trash.
1: I'm Gene. So let's move on to recommendations. We talked enough about uncut gems. Do you have one for this? Uh, I could do one, yeah. Fairly recently
0: on the Criterion
1: Channel, so I know
0: not, <laughs> not readily available to everyone. But I've been making my way through a lot of stuff on there. I think you had told me about this movie before. I certainly had heard of it, but John Luke Godard's *Contempt*. Which I thought was awesome. Right. I just, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah, um, I love that movie too. It's sort of like a a perfect story about a, a marriage just ending, like yeah. you, the exact moment of it ending, right? And, and one of the people not understanding why. Yeah. But it being like so obvious to the other. And I
0: guess it seems like Godard didn't really like how it came out it was like him like trying to play in the studio space a little bit and he wasn't super happy with it but i think it was a great movie i was like super into it
1: yeah the st- the scenes with the main dude i can't remember the actor's name yeah. the main dude and Brigitte Bardot in the apartment are like unbelievable where it's just this long conversation and fight that just oh, keeps yeah. going right. and going i don't want to spoil the whole movie sure, but sure, yeah, yeah she feels like something happened and he's not getting it what the big deal is and then she's just like i'm not in love with you now because of this basically
0: right. kind of got like this really like melodramatic score
1: Oh yeah the score is really cool it's they use it at the end of casino Oh yeah that's right Yeah it just goes it repeats like over and over it's like right. a really great score the ending of the movie is stupid Yeah that's true. I hate that ending by the way <laughs> But everything else is great. Yeah. They were doing that a lot. I know. In those kind of movies where they I, would just have a shock ending. And you're like, what is the point of yeah, it? Yeah, that
0: was dumb. I agree with that. But I was so not caring by the end because like, so much of it.
1: Jack you know, Palance yeah, from City Slickers right. fame. Yep. And who's the director in that movie? Who's acting in it? Fritz Lang, right?
0: I don't. That seems right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As himself. It's also a movie about making movies. Right. But the marriage stuff for me is, like, really great. And it's great to see Brigitte Bardot's butt in that yeah, movie. Absolutely. Which is she wild a for, like, 1963.
0: stunner, for sure.
1: <laughs> One of the all-timers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've been making my way through the... I'm
1: sure you can rent that. I'm sure. Um, a lot of people will be tripping all over themselves to rent it. But, yeah. Uh,
0: I've been making my way through the Jean-Luc Godard stuff. And I, I, is my favorite so
1: far. Yeah, that's a really... A really good one. I do like Breathless a lot. I think Breathless is great. I just watched Viva Sevi, which I thought was pretty good. Too. I don't think I, I have that. I don't think I've watched. But it. I I watched Weekend.
0: That was tough. Like I, I have not seen that one. I, I appreciated it, but it's a tough watch. <laughs>
1: I like Every Man for Himself. <laughs> I haven't. Seen, I haven't watched With Isabel Upperr. That movie yeah. is fucking
0: wild. <laughs> it's so weird. There's one scene in Weekend that I thought was like incredible. And someday when you watch it we'll talk about it
1: okay all right so yeah check out contempt if you're interested in 60s french filmmaking <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that was i talked about last episode the person talking to me about doing the podcast and she asked like what the most recent movie i watched was and at the time it was Contempt. i didn't even say i was just like well i watched a, a french movie from the 60s most recently so uh uh-huh. if you're trying to get a feel for What I'm into.
1: (laughs) Well, you should have just dropped the bomb on her.
0: Yeah, I I was just like, look, I watched anything from the most mainstream
1: movies to, you know, 1960s. Le Mepri. That's right. Contempt. Yes. (laughs) My recommendation is a little bit more crass and mainstream, but also very, like, butt-oriented. I'm going (laughs) to recommend Naked and Afraid of Love. Oh. Which was, I wouldn't have even known about, if not for a long time, friend of the show brian bell who texted us both about it yeah and then when when i said hey i watched this like no response from either of you in the group text like oh okay but sometimes
0: it's a timing thing with me
1: i think this is only available on discovery plus which makes it difficult for people who aren't really in that vibe but i pay for discovery plus mostly for my parents who use it but i have been using it too occasionally this falls under, I think, what was the original on Discovery? I don't even know what the I don't know. original show was, but this is oh, a spinoff yeah, of Naked and Afraid. Right. Naked and Afraid is much more of a survivalist type show with two naked people, a man and a woman, out in the wilderness in some place. It
0: seemed horrible. Like I watched the show. I mean, I don't mean the show was horrible. I mean
1: the situation yeah, was horrible. Yeah, right. This is a, I would say, five percent that and ninety five percent cheesy dating drama show but they're on an island and they're nude okay and they're trying to like hook up relationships there's like 16 people everything's blurred out except for the butts right which is weird because there are shows on discovery plus where you see nudity which i found out in a wild moment where my parents were just like putting something on and they're like oh this woman's taking off her clothes and it's not blurred out i'm like oh wow what's this (laughs) show So they do have stuff on there that isn't blurred out, but this show is. It is trash TV. It's comfort TV. I'm not going to subject myself to F-Boy Island on HBO. Yeah, sure. But maybe one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, anyway.
1: But yeah, this was fun because Uh, I was a fan of Naked and Afraid. It's not like I watched it all the time, but I I definitely did watch it.
0: A lot of those reality contest shows, the dating ones, certainly seem so shitty and are so shitty. But sometimes you can really dig in and have fun with them.
1: Yeah, this one is not very deep. Other than the fact that they're naked and in the wilderness, there isn't a lot there. They start out in couples, and then over time they gradually like find the other people. So you have an opportunity to connect with like the first person, but then you're going to meet more people. There doesn't seem to be much structure beyond that. I will say like most of the men are like super attractive, great bodies. The women... Th- <laughs> The women, too, but, like, the men, it's like, Jesus Christ, it's, like, hard to even imagine. I'd be like, if I was there, it would be, like, horrifying for everyone. <laughs> These dudes yeah. are, like, completely ripped. Eight packs, you know what I mean? Like, look insane. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they they wouldn't let us on the island, is no. what you're saying? Yeah.
1: No. But there's some humor, too. Like, this one girl in the second episode, I think it is, like, throws herself sort of at like one of the dudes that she's just meeting it's not her like original dude but they come across this other couple and they have like you know she's like I have a little bit of a connection with this guy and then she sort of just goes for it and he sort of like friend zones her like so hard he's oh, just wow. like oh yeah you're so, she he even says like something so embarrassing like oh yeah you're just like my little sister like i i love you like that or whatever and then oh, like they cut to her on the beach Yeah, crying. (laughs) She just met this guy like an hour ago. Well, I don't know. It seemed like an hour. I'm laughing hysterically at that, but you know, it's always fun to look at everybody's butts and stuff. Sure. It's trash. The people who love Naked and Afraid, I think, hate it. Oh, okay. Because they don't think you know, they're like, This is bullshit or whatever. Because they're into like the idea of the survivalist and it's cake compared to Naked and Afraid. Like sure. There's not a whole lot of elements. It it's in like a really nice Island
0: is not sexy at all. Sometimes the beginning
1: is (laughs) yeah, (laughs) just the disrobing. Yeah,
0: because I mean, it's like always in places where it's either like desert sand and yeah, just so many bugs, so many bugs. I
1: think there were some bugs on this, but not not much. It seems like much more of a tropical situation, you know, like really nice beaches on like an island paradise (laughs) type thing. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This one went way long. Follow the show on Twitter, at greatest Pod, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or whatever else you can find. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We love it. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. We know we just had a long break. Matt's got to travel for work, so we'll see. We're, we're this hopeful. This
0: might be the last episode I ever record, although people hate when we say things like that. <laughs>
1: No, it just, we'll see how things play we'll out. You've yeah. got to travel. We have like a limited window to record new stuff. We definitely will do more before the end of September. Oh, yeah. But if there's some delay, that is possible. We're hopeful that it won't happen, but just to let people know it could. Maybe I should have said something at the start of the episode, but whatever. I'm sure no <laughs> one's listening now. Who cares? Anyway, if you'd like a sticker, let us know. And you can check us out on Letterboxd, Zach 1983, Matt Crosby. You can see Matt. Going through the Goddard films <laughs> in between Nightmare on Elm
0: Street movies. Oh no, sorry, Friday, Friday the Thirteenth.
1: Yeah, still working your way through my second box set. That's right. <laughs> Which people don't know because, believe it or not, oh, we I never did the posted whole story that.
0: Story I told about that. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, that stinks. I thought, well, that was funny.
1: We're gonna. It'll come up later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People don't know what the fuck we're talking right. about now. <laughs> all right. so, it'll all come out in due time. Just wait. All right, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: From the morning to the evening, complaints from the tenants. Got the walls kicking like they six months pregnant. Drinking say with our cereal for breakfast. And girls calling cabs at dawn, quarter to seven. Skies getting cold, we flying from the north. Rocking with our city like a sold-out show. A house full of pros that specialize in the hoeing. Make that money rain as they taking off their clothes. Order plane tickets, Cali is the mission. Visit every month like I'm split life living. Let the world listen if I haters his slipping, then my nigga stay tight. Got my back like Pippin', fast life grippin'. Yeah, we still tipping Holding cups, paint a picture so vivid Face try to mimic Get girls timid But behind closed doors They get poor, so rigid through the pain. I push it for the pleasure like a virgin to the game, A virgin to that money. A virgin to the fame. So this my only chance to so when I'm over only pray that I flow from the bottom. Closer to the top. The higher that I climb. The harder I'ma drop. These pussy ass niggas trying to hold on to their credit. So I tell them use a debit watch. They image start to listen. I want like just wishing. why these niggas testin', always fucking twistin', why these niggas testin', shit that I got them on, straight ball hoppin' to the music of the ambiance, get shit popping. zombies of the night, niggas ain't talking if they hype into the crew, get it in like rockets, downtown loving. when the moon coming. Place a fine bass, heads and hearts See it in the morning, too damn raw Ain't no nigga worth her holding Ain't no nigga that she holding Man, her love is too for it. Look at all that money The money is the, the money. money is the All moment. that money, the money she be the funny she be, she be Girl, 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 work, Girl, girl, put in work. girl put in work, girl, 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 work. Oscar-winning animated movie Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeen.
1: Holy shit, I'm gonna come.